podcast and more. Wednesday, the 9th of August. It's the Feast of St. Edith Stein, also known as Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Let's pray a prayer by her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh my God, fill my soul with holy joy, courage, and strength to serve you. Enkindle your love in me and then walk with me along the next stretch of road before me. I do not see very far ahead, but when I have arrived where the horizon now closes down, a new prospect will open before me and I shall meet it with peace. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you woke up early to hang out with us on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Ken Craycraft along, our legal and political correspondent. And he's got news about Issue 1 in Ohio being defeated and what that means, especially for, well, what it means constitutionally, but also what it means for specific issues uh, that are going to be hitting the ballot in Ohio in November. Father Rob Jack will talk more about today's great saint, St. Teresa Benedicta, and the science of the cross. Gary Zimak will look at the story of Elijah and the widow in our own ongoing series uh, based on his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good. And then Joe Heschmeyer along at the end of the hour. He's got a new book for Catholic Answers that we'll talk about here in a little bit as well. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Ohio voters, as Matt just said, have rejected a measure which would have made it harder to get abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution in November. Issue one was the only measure on the ballot in yesterday's special election in the state. It would have required at least 60 percent of voters to pass any future amendments to the state constitution rather than a simple majority. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's being called a, quote, particularly evil attack in Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. Officials say that Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine, then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The attack came just as reports surfaced that Russia was plotting to assassinate Ukraine President Zelensky. I'm Mark Mayfield. Efforts to restore power are underway in some areas of the eastern United States after severe storms slammed the region yesterday. At least two people were killed and hundreds of thousands were without power as of yesterday. Tornado watches and warnings stretched across 10 states from Tennessee to New York with high winds sending power lines into homes and roads. The severe weather also prompted thousands of flight delays and cancellations. The president of Vietnam met earlier this week with the country's bishops a little more than a week after meeting with Pope Francis, in which they signed a joint agreement. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo 
Chair, Lisa Zingarini reports. The meeting lasted more than an hour and was attended by 10 government officials and nine Vietnamese bishops, including the president, Archbishop Joseph Nguyen Nang, along with five priests and two religious. The bishops who honored the Vietnamese president with two gifts described the talks as open and sincere. During the meeting, President Van Turong acknowledged the contribution offered by the Catholic Church to Vietnamese society, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. He then spoke of his recent visit to Europe and to the Vatican. He said he was impressed by the meeting with Pope Francis on the 27th of July, specifically by the Holy Father's words on human fraternity. The Vietnamese president also expressed his appreciation for what Pope Francis said about the need to listen to others so as to understand them better. Father Dao Nguyen Vu, head of the Secretariat of the Vietnamese Bishops' Conference, then presented the activities of the church in the country by offering some data and explaining that the church only runs nursery schools, but no elementary, middle or high school. President Van Turong said he will consider the matter. Archbishop Nguyen Nang also spoke of the work of the Catholic Church at the service of the country. Relations between the Holy See and Vietnam were interrupted in 1975, but have seen encouraging developments since 1990, and especially after the establishment over 10 years ago of a Vietnamese Holy See joint working group, which has led to the July agreement to have a resident papal representative in Hanoi. I am Lisa Zengarini. Pope Francis this week has sent a letter to the priests of the Diocese of Rome entrusting them to the Salus Populi Romani. The Holy Father said, quote, I have asked her to guard and protect you, to dry your secret tears, to revive in you the joy of the ministry, and to make you every day shepherds in love with Jesus, end quote. And the planet Mars is apparently spinning faster Belgium scientists say data from NASA's decommissioned InSight Mars lander led them to discover the planet's rotation is accelerating by about 4 million mil arc seconds per year. 1,000 milia arc seconds equals one second. Why did they? I don't, Matt, I don't know. <laughs> They're just trying to help you. Uh... <laughs> know what it is that you just said anyway scientists said it could be from the ice accumulating on the polar caps which results in a rise in land mass officials say they will continue to analyze the data all right so i'm looking at this apparently a day on mars if i'm to trust the internet is Mm -hmm. 24 hours 37 minutes and 22 seconds okay so a little bit longer than our day i guess but I don't know. But it's getting closer to our day if... It's as days are shortening. Right. So that means that if you move to Mars, then maybe you get like... Do you get two more leap days or you get one day deleted? Oh, to keep it a... To keep it it lined up. I don't know, Anna Mitchell. When I get to Mars, I'll let you know. Please, please do. As uh, just continue doing the morning show. As a poet of from... of my parents' generation once said, okay. Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. I hear it's cold. I hear it's very cold there oh. on Mars. 
Is that is that a song that I'm supposed to know? Oh, come on, I I don't know. Ken the Craycraft reference. is dying over there. Matt, I don't know the reference. Ken, Ken Craycraft what's the is reference? the Rocket Man. He's the Rocket Man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Malls ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. Come on, Anna Mitch. It's a really good Elton John impression, Matt. I've never that's heard the, you do it. Yeah, that's the only thing that, you know. <laughs> I'm much better with Bowie lyrics. I gotta there admit. There you go. Anyway. Star man. Exactly. Sunrise Morning Show legal and political analyst Ken Craycraft with us now. He's a professor at Mount St. Mary's Seminary, writes for the Catholic Telegraph and our Sunday visitor among other publications. Ken, welcome back. Thanks, Annie. Good to be with you. It's good to have you. Uh, Issue one in Ohio was defeated in the August 8th special election. So we in Ohio and really all around the country, uh, pro-lifers looking toward November when there is a proposed constitutional amendment on the ballot that would, if passed, enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. So how does the defeat of issue one play into that? Well, it makes it so that that proposed constitutional uh, amendment that's scheduled in November, um, the ballot initiative, is easier to pass now than it would have been. To get that initiative uh, put into the Constitution, it only takes 50 percent of Ohio voters plus one, a simple majority, rather than the 60 percent that it might have that it would have taken if issue uh, one would have passed. It's important to note, obviously, that this does that the vote itself yesterday, the vote on issue one that went down, does not make abortion legal in Ohio or does not enshrine abortion in the Constitution. I know there's there was confusion about that among voters, but it does make it easier for the proposed initiative that is on the November ballot to pass which would indeed make abortion legal in Ohio uh, in any circumstance up to and including to the day of birth and provide uh, for other ish- other things uh, that make um, Roe v. Wade basically the, the law of Ohio. Let me ask you this, because Ohio currently has a heartbeat law on the books. It is currently under injunction and supposed to be considered by the Ohio Supreme Court um, prior to November, I I think. Um, so what does the Ohio Supreme Court do in between now and November when voters are going to consider essentially repealing the heartbeat law that's that's under injunction right now? Well, the court can consider it uh, if, if it wants to, but the court also has the uh, license because the court uh, sets its own docket uh, to wait until November to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sometimes courts will do that um, when there's pending legislation or some other pending case that would have an impact upon its own decision rather than to make that decision and, you know, weeks or months later, basically have it reversed for the purpose of the stability of the law, the court will put that in abeyance. I would say this, Annie, even if the Ohio Supreme Court were to uh, were to approve the uh, the the uh, heartbeat bill that is, is has been passed, but is now being held in abeyance. Uh, certainly, abortion rights uh, forces would appeal to federal courts immediately, and a federal district yeah. court 
picked, and they would pick the court that they ha- would have confidence in Ohio that would stay the uh, heartbeat bill anyway. So I don't, I don't think we're going to see any legislation enacted in Ohio about abortion until after the November election. Hmm. Well, the defeat of issue one, I mean, pro-lifers, uh, the right to life um, movement, right to life groups in Ohio were, were trying to push hard to get issue one passed. Um, specifically to make it harder for the the proposed amendment um, on abortion, uh, to make it harder for that to pass in November. But now that issue one has been defeated, I mean, of course, all of the resources now go into trying to defeat this upcoming amendment. And it's important to understand that issue one was not just about abortion. So it's conceivable that there are people who will vote no uh, uh, in November uh, against the constitutional amendment to enshrine abortion also voted no yesterday um, because yeah. yesterday's vote was about more than abortion. So uh, I don't think that we'll see the same number. Now, uh, according to the latest numbers I've seen, uh, issue one failed by a, a fairly substantial margin, about 56 percent to about 43 plus percent. So the, the gap was pretty wide. So, yes, abortion uh, um Abortion rights proponents will now turn their attention to November, and of course, so will uh, anti-abortion activists, so that the public is, we want to make sure the public is educated about the scope and the severity of this law in November. But again, I don't think we're going to see the same number. I think the the vote will be closer, even if, uh, God forbid, the constitutional amendment in November passes, it almost certainly will be closer than yesterday's vote, because again, it's certainly conceivable, and, and I'm sure it's the case, that many voters didn't want to change the const- the way that the Constitution has changed for the sake of future uh, am- amendments that have nothing to do with abortion, uh, but will still vote down the uh, vote against the abortion amendment in November. I mean, I guess to look at it from a, a positive perspective in-, in light of the abortion amendment, if it were to pass in November, it now would be easier to repeal it in the future exactly. if people actually yeah. realize what the abortion proposal really is. Yeah, this, this the proposed amendment, issue one, the proposed amendment making uh, requiring 60 percent of the voters to re- approve a constitutional amendment was always a two-edged sword. I mean, even, even as we were, even as uh, pro-life people were campaigning for it, uh, we we understood and realized that it could it could go the other way. I mean, it could the the same it could be used in the future to thwart a pro life initiative. So it was always a two edged sword, and we have to understand that. So yeah, that is the silver lining. One of the things, Andy, that's important, and I think this is important for the national audience, is to is to uh, uh, make sure that the public is educated, especially in less populated counties, and that. Because less populated counties, at least in Ohio, are more likely to to vote against the abortion amendment in November, but they're underrepresented at the polls and they're underrepresented in terms of uh, of uh, reaching out by uh, by by activists, especially pro-life activists, because the pro-abortion activists concentrate on the urban centers in Ohio, that's basically Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, Dayton, Toledo, because they know that that's where they can harvest the richest mine of yes votes for the November election. Right. And they're going to, you know, they're going to ignore those that they can't win. So pro-life activists need to get the rural vote out in Ohio yeah. and the rural counties 
so that so that it offsets the the easy low hanging fruit that the pro abortionists pick in the heavily uh, democratic uh, uh, counties and cities in Ohio. Yep, yep. Well. The work has already begun, but it really yes. gets down in earnest now. We've been talking to our legal and political analyst, Ken Craycraft. Really appreciate you waking up to uh, to analyze this one for us, Ken. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. All right. It's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If your cable or satellite provider doesn't carry EWTN's full programming lineup, give them a call and let them know you would like to receive EWTN 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, go to EWTN.com and click on Television. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's been called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. The president of Vietnam met earlier this week with the country's bishops a little more than a week after meeting with Pope Francis to sign a joint agreement. And the Holy Father this week sent out a letter to the priests of the Diocese of Rome entrusting them to the Salus Populi Romani. All right, Anna Mitchell, we're going to talk more about St. Edith Stein with Father Rob Jack here in a moment. And then yeah. with Dr. Matthew Bunsen, I believe, next hour. Yes. She is an extraordinary saint yes. um, for so many reasons that we're going to get into. But I have a question for you. Oh, okay. It's a little prognostication. All right. So I have no idea who the next formally declared doctor of the church is going to be. Oh, I know. But when I, does she make this list? Yes. Yeah, so I have a I have a list of I you know the the three that I think might be next, and you tell me. Oh if you man. Think a, oh, okay. B, C, or D. None of the above, because you got another okay. idea. All right. All right. Go ahead. So, um, I think that actually she's probably in my mind the strongest candidate for the next doctor of the church. Yeah. For a number of reasons. Uh. My B option would be St. John Henry Newman. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he was built for... Mm-hmm. He's built for that. Mm-hmm. And then a third is one that I'm a little surprised is not a doctor of the church yet, but because of his contributions and spirituality and discernment and a whole bunch of other stuff and sort of the intellectual legacy would be Ignatius of Loyola. Oh, interesting. D would be none well, of the above of and the an above. other. So do you have a D? Um, my, well, I agree with you that I think Edith Stein, that St. Teresa, I think she would prefer to be called St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. I think she would be the likeliest candidate. The one name that I would add to that list as a potential candidate would be John Paul II. Yes, but who did John Paul II lean on for a St. lot St. Teresa of Benedict of the yes. Cross. Absolutely. I'm just saying I add him to the list of... Well, I don't think you can make John Paul II a doctor of the church until after you've made. Of course, I'm not in charge, Anna Mitchell. I don't know if you know this. I'm You're not. not? I am not. You're not even in charge of the show, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Now, Sacred Heart Radio has our own smart speaker channel. Playing Sacred Heart Radio. Yes, now when you ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio, it will immediately play our stream without some of the inappropriate commercial content that you had to sit through from the tune-in connection. So at any time of the day or night to hear Sacred Heart Radio loud and clear, ask your smart speaker to play Sacred Heart Radio. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. The highest standards, integrity, and best practices are core values at Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, your partners in residential and commercial insurance repair and restoration. Rainbow International, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. 513-271-1000. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. Of course, Sacred Heart Radio produces the Sunrise Morning Show as well. And we get to talk about today's saint, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who was born Edith Stein. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So you've worked with some doctors of the church before. I'm not going to ask you uh, if you think that she's going to be a doctor of the church and win. But let's just say she's got some deep, deep thought uh, for us to reflect on as the church, including some great thought about personhood and suffering. 
I wonder what of her teachings you wanted to focus on today. Well, I want to talk about uh, St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross in this sense. There's a, when we think about our life, there's a lot of trinities or threes that go around. You know, for instance, um, when we talk, when Pope John Paul II talks about uh, the, the trinity of truth and love, and um, oh, I always forget the third one, but truth, well, basically it's truth, suffering, and love. And this is, of course, what St. Uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross discovers. And see, there's a kinship between her and John Paul II, because one, they were contemporaries, and two, uh, they lived during one of the most heinous periods of church history. And in the midst of all this, this notion of truth and suffering and love, oftentimes we think, how can those things go together? But they do, because once we discover the truth, the truth itself is God as he really is. And when we see who he really is, that creates in us a desire to know him and to be like him. But because we are so unlike him, even though we're in his image, that because of original sin, we know what we can be versus what we are. And that's the, that's the belief in terms of suffering, to the desire to go beyond ourselves. And the only path to do that is going to be through love. Well... Her reflections on love, I think, are extraordinary. Uh, There's a quote of hers that I go back to over and over again, uh, where she says that all that we do is a means to an end, but love is an end in itself because God is love. Uh, And, you know, you think about that question of it it helps me make much more sense of what St. Paul is saying when he says, in the end, these three remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. And and Paul is in some ways alluding to the fact that at the end of all things, we won't need faith. We'll be with God, right? And we won't need hope because the hope will have been fulfilled. Love, though, is the thing that we enter into. Love is, if if we're saying that God is love, then God is love before he even creates. I mean, what a mystery. Well, it is, and we have to recognize that our human definition of love pales before the love of God. And this is what, of course, uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross discovered. When she read the life of Teresa of Avila and then says, this is truth, she found out that she kind of was given the key to the great mystery. In order to come close to God, we have to be taken up into the divine love, which is, of course, what St. John of the Cross taught. And we connect Teresa a lot of times with uh, Teresa of Avila, but she's also very intimately connected with St. John of the Cross. And the year that she died, she was asked to write uh, basically an essay on the 400th year of the death of St. John of the Cross, and it was called The Science of the Cross. And this is, and the challenge we face that she talks about is that we have the cross before us. We either, we, either we accept it and detach ourselves from ourselves so that we can be more united with Christ, which then allows us to be lifted up in love, or we hang on to ourselves and then the process never find true happiness. So it's a type of emptying. And whereas John of the Cross is emptying happened by his persecution by his fellow Carmelites, uh, Teresa Benedictus of the Cross's suffering happened, as she said, when she went with her sister Rosa when the Nazis came and took her from the convent. Let us go and die with our people. That she, you know, in that whole emptying, she recognized that the fullness of her love will be seen in taking on basically her vocation as a, as a Jew and as a Christian. And she gave her life uh, for the fellow Jews who she died with. She's such an extraordinary 
uh, figure in well in in modern church history, but in the history of the church as a whole, um, she stands out just so strongly. You know, it's interesting. You know, we're coming off the feast of Saint Dominic, and the Dominicans, you know, they get the reputation for being kind of like the thinkers, right? They're the ones who have the deep thoughts. But you know, between uh, Therese of Lisieux and John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Teresa Benedict of the Cross, I mean, the Carmelites have a strong case going here. Well, they do, and and they they like uh, Thomas uh, and 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 Dominic in his own way. They recognize reason can only take us so far. Reason that is done very well will lead us beyond reason to mystery, and mystery is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in finding it, it brings one, interior joy, two, it brings the fullness of truth, but three, as we know, it brings upon itself immense suffering. And uh, because in tying ourselves to the cross, literally, or being nailed, however you want to put that, we tie ourselves to that love of Christ, that emptying love. And in a world that constantly says we have to be filled up with things to find love, we find ourselves, and to do that, the emptier we become. But when we unite ourselves in this self-emptying love of Christ, of pouring it out, all of a sudden we become full. And this is one of the paradoxes that, unfortunately, it's very hard for people to come to grips with in the world today. Well, and it's one that um, people can dismiss as trite. Well, what's the answer to suffering? Uh, Well, look at the crucifix. That can sound like it's a trite and throwaway answer, but in fact, it is is an extraordinary, mysterious, deep, all-encompassing answer that tells us who God is in his very nature as uh, self-giving love. So... Well, and that's because, of course, it's not the cross itself we focus on. It's the person nailed to the cross that shows us its meaning. That's why the crucifix is so important in our Catholic faith. Well, very good stuff. Thank you so much, Father Rob Jack, for helping us to get into uh, some of the thought of Edith Stein this morning. Have a wonderful day. All right. Truth, suffering, and love. Live it today. Write it down on your notepad. Thanks, Father Rob Jack. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Morning, Ohio voters have rejected a measure that could have made it harder to get abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution in November. Issue one was the only measure on the ballot in yesterday's special election and was not specifically about abortion, but it would have required at least 60 percent of voters to pass any future amendments to the state constitution rather than a simple majority. The U.S. saw a record number of billion-dollar weather disasters in the first seven months of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. A new report from the National Centers for Environmental Information says 15 disasters were confirmed between January and July. That's the highest number since 1980. It includes 13 severe storms, one winter storm, and one flooding. The cost totals nearly $40 billion and 113 fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's been called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. Officials say Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine and then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The attack came just as reports were surfacing that Russia was plotting to assassinate Ukrainian President Zelensky. The president of Vietnam has met with his country's Catholic bishops. Vatican News reports this week's meeting 
comes in the wake of his meeting with Pope Francis to sign a landmark agreement on the status and the office of the resident papal representative in Vietnam. It's been called a new beginning in relations between the church and the country under a sign of mutual respect and trust. President Biden is taking action to protect nearly a million acres around the Grand Canyon. During a visit to Arizona yesterday, Biden designated the area a national monument. The move protects lands sacred to Native Americans in the region and permanently bans new uranium mining. Biden called the area a, quote, birthright passed down from generation to generation. The designation is part of the president's plan to conserve 30 percent of U.S. land and waters by 2030. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's theme for the next World Day of Peace on January 1st, which will focus on AI and peace. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi has more. In the next World Day of Peace message, Pope Francis will call for an open dialogue on the meaning of the new technologies endowed with disruptive possibilities and ambivalent effects. The recurrence is celebrated every January 1st, the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. It was established in 1967, instituting a long tradition of messages from the Holy Father, exhorting all people to reflect on important subjects in relation to the work of building peace. In his next message, Pope Francis is going to stress the importance to be vigilant while working on the implementation of new technologies such as the artificial intelligence so that the logic of violence and discrimination does not take root in the production and use of such devices at the expense of the most fragile and excluded, as injustice and inequalities fuel conflicts and antagonisms. The message will also touch on the impelling need to orient the concept and use of artificial intelligence in a responsible way, aiming at having it at the service of humanity and the protection of our common home. This will not be possible without extending that ethical reflection to the fields of education and law. The statement concluded by affirming how the protection of the dignity of the person and concern for a fraternity effectively open to the entire human family represent indispensable conditions for technological development to help contribute to the promotion of justice and peace in the world. I am Eduardo Giribaldi. More Americans are dipping into their 401k accounts because of financial distress. That, according to Bank of America data, the number of those who did so during the second quarter spiked from the same time last year by 36%. Most cite inflation as the main reason. Bank of America's data also shows overall employee contributions remained consistent over the first half of the year. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Anna Mitchell. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Water heaters, plumbing repair, and drain cleaning backed by Schneller Knockelman's 100% satisfaction guarantee. Schneller and Aquaman at skpha.com. skpha.com. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. 
What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Wednesday, August the 9th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like we got more storms headed our way. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy with afternoon and evening storms today and a high of 85 degrees. Scattered storms tonight and muggy with an overnight low of 68. Morning showers likely and isolated showers into the early afternoon with a high of 83 tomorrow. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, Thunderstorms developing this afternoon with a high of 83. Storms tonight and an overnight low of 67. Rain early, but sunshine later in the day. Tomorrow with a high of 82. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Zimak. He's the author of When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. And we've been going through stories of various people in the Bible and what their experiences can tell us about how to navigate our own difficulties a little bit more evenly. Gary, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. So today we get to talk about Elijah and the widow. And if you could set up the story for us. You know, Matt, I love this story. It's it's really one that uh, is incredibly personal to me. And we're going to talk about Elijah and how the Lord provided for him. But I just want to say this chapter, I specifically titled it, When You're Struggling Financially, because so many people are in a situation where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They're struggling financially. They're really called upon to trust in God's providence. God provides for us in so many ways. It doesn't always have to be financially, but this one, I really think, highlights how he can provide for our material needs. So the story begins in the in the first book of Kings, chapter 17. The prophet Elijah just shows up. He just shows up on the scene, and we're told that he calls for a drought. He lets the king know that a drought is coming, which is a big deal and which is not going to go over too well with the king, because the king believed in his false god's control over the weather. So Elijah predicting, uh, seeming to predict control over the weather, that's going to really make him a marked man. So Elijah is instructed by the Lord to hide by a stream, and at that stream, his needs are going to be provided for. He's going to be given drinking water from the stream, and he's going to be fed in a really unusual way by the ravens. The ravens are going to bring Elijah his food in the morning and the evening, which is highly unusual because the ravens are scavengers. They don't like to share their food. But this is how it happened. But, Matt, one day the, the stream dried up, and Elijah was told by the Lord to go to a city called Zarephath. And he went, and, and the Lord also told him prior to going that he would encounter a widow there who would provide for the prophet's needs. Another highly unusual thing. 
So Elijah goes to Zarephath. He encounters this widow. He asks her for something to eat, and the widow said, look, I just have a little bit left. My son and I, we're about to die because we're starving. But Elijah said, well, that's okay. Give it to me anyway. She does, recognizing that he is a prophet, and and they are both able to be sustained for a period of time. You know, Matt, this is an incredible story of trust in God's providence, not just for Elijah, but for the widow, because she gave up her last bit of food to this man of God, trusting that God would provide for her, and he did. And it's so unusual to see God providing for Elijah and the widow, both with, you know, by the provision of each other, by each other taking care of their needs. Neither one of them had anything. So it's an incredible opportunity for us to see how God can provide for our needs in very unusual ways. I just love this story. It's a great story on so many levels. And, you know, it shows God's providence. It shows the widow's trust. It actually shows Elijah's trust <laughs> as, as well, yeah. right? Because Elijah was like, what do you mean, Lord? I'm going to... I'm going to feel like a total jerk asking this lady for help, right? right. Because, like, she's right. down to her, you know, last little bit of grain. But um, as my friend Ken Hensley uh, likes to say over at the Coming Home Network, if you want to know what God is doing in the Eucharist, look at the pattern of miraculous meals in the Bible. Uh, and this is one of the great examples of a miraculous meal. It actually points ahead to a few different things, among them the fact that Jesus himself is going to multiply bread right, for a hungry crowd. Uh, but it, it just, the, the phrase that comes to mind from the Mass is when we say, blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, through your mercy we have the bread we offer, fruit of the earth, work of human hands, it will become our spiritual food. We offer, like, basically one of the weakest things that we could come up with at Mass, <laughs> right? Right, um, right. Literally, it's like wheat with nothing in it. And we give it to God, and he gives it back to us as himself. Um, and that's the Eucharist. That's the center of our faith. I think that's really meant to be like a model for what we're supposed to do with every other aspect of our lives, right? That we're supposed to take whatever little thing that we have to give it to God so he can give himself back to us. And that's hard for us to kind of wrap our minds around, but that's, this is a model of that, this story. It really is, and I, and I think, and, and the reason this story is so personal to me is because, you know, after 30 years in the software industry, when I launched into full-time ministry, when I got laid off from my day job, I really had to depend on the Lord to provide for my family. It, you know, it was, I never had to do that before, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think it's easier for us to believe that the Lord can provide for our spiritual needs than it is to believe that he can provide for our, our material needs. Now, the spiritual needs are more important. Obviously, you talk about the Eucharist. That sustains us more than, than the, the money we have or the food we have. Actually, that's what we really need. That's the most important sustenance the Lord can give us is his, his grace through the Eucharist. But for some reason, I think many of us can believe that he could give you the grace to get through the day or be a good person or get to heaven— in an easier manner than we can believe that, well, he can help me to eat today or pay my bills at the end of the month. And this is a reminder that he wants to do both. He doesn't just want to provide for what we need to get to heaven in a spiritual way. He he wants to give us what we need in a material way. But as you said, 
he and, and this and I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel by any means. As you said, though, what the Lord because it'll provide for our our needs, not necessarily our wants. But the point you made is a good one. He expects us to do what we can to give him what little we can. When the Lord fed the five thousand men plus women and children. He asked for the five loaves and two fish that they managed to get together. So he does ask for what little we have. Those those not enough ingredients ended up being the ingredients that Jesus would use for a miracle. So he calls us to do our best and then let him miraculously multiply what we have. You know, sometimes I wonder if I've not slowed my own progress over the years by holding on too tightly to things and thinking, well, I'll be more generous, I'll be more magnanimous, I'll be more open to things and willing to participate once I get financially stable. <laughs> you know, I wonder wow. sometimes if I've slowed my own progress in this area by having that attitude. And, of course, I mean, you and I both have churchy jobs. It's not like uh, – it's not like we're rolling in it, man. I mean, it no. is, you know, when you work for the church, I mean, it's funny when you look at, you know, the, the, the people who uh, give their lives as diocesan priests, if you were to look at their salary and compare it to, like, you know, an average government worker around where I live, man, it would be, it's a pittance, right? It's a pittance. Uh, but yeah. you st- that's not like an excuse. I mean, your your income level doesn't get you off the hook from giving in some way. I mean, maybe you cannot give like a single penny, but there's something. There is something yeah. you can give. I got, you know, your parent, right? Your kids yeah. who don't have an income, maybe, you know, depending on what your allowance situation is, just because they don't have a steady W-2 reporting income doesn't mean that they can't give until they do. You can give at every level, no matter who you are. Exactly. And, you know, I look at the story of the widow who trusted in the Lord to provide for her and her son and gave Elijah what, what she had. Look at the opportunity this provides to see God's faithfulness. You know, unless you're in that position, she got to see how God miraculously took care of her. And, and it was all it all it was all based upon her generosity. If you're in that situation where you don't have much and you feel the Lord calling you to give something, whatever, you you can get to see firsthand how your trust is rewarded with His providence. I mean, it's but until you're in that situation, you don't necessarily have the opportunity to see it. Man, I I'll tell you, I would have never asked for <laughs> the situation. I back in the day. I wouldn't have asked for it to be put in this place where I am literally praying, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. I, I would have never asked for it, but the Lord changed my heart, put me in the situation, and I'm so glad he did because I got to see just how faithful he is and uh, what, you know how, fa- how, how he will provide for the needs of his children. Well, I pray that over everybody listening today, especially those of you who are in those struggles. And Anna Mitchell reports it on almost every newscast, and I think so many of us feel it at some level or another. Um, And I just want to make sure that in my own life, I never forget that everything I have is a gift uh, from God, and it's not mine in the first place. So... Gary Zimak, we've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And uh, hopefully people pick up your book, When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Matt. God bless. All right, 13 till. we got headlines coming up next. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show. 
where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify Him in everything that I do and become the person He wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. When was the time you wish you had taken action? Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and every time Joe Heschmeyer comes out with a new book, we got to talk about it. And his latest is called The Eucharist is Really Jesus, How Christ's Body and Blood Are the Key to Everything We Believe. Joe, good morning. Good morning. So there are a lot of books about the Eucharist, but uh, this one I think is set up really neat uh, to, to tie the Eucharist to all sorts of things that we might not necessarily automatically connect the Eucharist with in our mind. So um, if you could give an overview of your approach. Yeah, I mean, you, you've already kind of alluded to it. Um, I, I take two examples in the beginning. One of them is the road to Emmaus. If you remember on Easter Sunday, there's two people walking to Emmaus, and Jesus walks with them, and they don't know it's him. And on the way, he's explaining to them the Old Testament scriptures and how they foretold the Messiah would suffer and die. But they don't realize it's Jesus. And they finally come to realize it's Jesus when they get to Emmaus, and they're at table. And they invite him to accompany them for the meal, and we're told he takes the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And... Then they, their eyes are open, they realize it's Jesus, and then he disappears from their sight. And there's something very Eucharistic about this. You've got the same four verbs, you know, take, bless, break, and give, that you have at the institution of the Last Supper. And it's even more obvious when they, they run back to Jerusalem, and as Luke says, uh, recount how he was known to them in the, make, in the breaking of the bread. Well, we know the breaking of the bread is how Luke describes the early Christian Eucharist in Acts 2. So... There's, we, we should be reading this with the Eucharistic kind of lens, 
But one of the things that the two disciples say to each other is, we're not our hearts burning within us, as he explained the scriptures to us. In other words, once they get the Eucharist right, once they see Jesus there, then they start to see him on all these other places they would have missed him otherwise. So that's the first kind of image that I use, that getting the Eucharist right isn't just important for having a good Eucharistic theology. Getting the Eucharist right is really important for having a good covenantal theology. It's really important for having a good theology of the cross. And, and fill in the blank, like you could go all the way down the list, that getting this right is actually really kind of the linchpin of everything else. And then the second biblical example I use is from the book of Revelation, where you've got a, a scroll with seven seals. And we're told that no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth is able to unlock the scroll. And then finally, the one who's able to do it, we're told is going to be the Lion of Judah. But in the next verse, we don't see a lion. We see a lamb standing as though slain. And so there's a double paradox there. First, that it's a lion who's also a lamb. And second, that Jesus, the, the Lion of Judah, who is the Passover lamb, is slain but still standing. And this is, again, a very Eucharistic image. In 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul describes Jesus as our Passover lamb. That and, and the Last Supper, of course, is the Christian Passover. And so the point there is that there's certain aspects of the faith that'll just be sealed up, and you're not going to properly understand them uh, unless you view them through the eyes of the Eucharistic Lord. Well, not just certain aspects of the Catholic faith, but certain aspects of Christianity in general. Um, I occasionally have the opportunity to attend non-Catholic services, and I recently attended one. Uh, I'm not going to say where, I'm not going to say what kind, but where there was this idea uh, kind of put forth of, you know, finding this church's, this congregation's identity in their couple hundred year history and uh, going back to the book of Acts and reading, you know, what inspired the early church and what animated the early church and, and what, you know, what they did to serve others and and to preach the gospel and, and all these sorts of things. And you know, if we really want to be who we're supposed to be, we should look back and read their example. Okay, now that's good, right? But there was this like ginormous gap in the discourse. It was, and the gap that I felt deeply as a Catholic who who comes from this Protestant world was, what do you mean we should read and learn their example? We are guarding the same thing that fueled them in the Holy Eucharist, right? They were yeah. fueled by the Eucharist. They guarded and sustained uh, the, the practice of making the Eucharist the focus of their worship down to the present day. And that blood that ran through their veins, that supernatural grace is the supernatural grace that sustains the church today. We're not merely like reading an account of something that can inspire us to do better. We're, we're, we're the heirs of grace that fueled that. Uh, and the Eucharist is the piece that puts it together. Why does apostolic succession matter? Because the hands that touch the hands that touch the hands all the way down to our present, there's an unbroken line. And what is the central job of the people whose hands are touched? What are those hands touched for? It's for the preparation of the Eucharist to present to the church. I mean, this massive gap in your understanding if you don't have that at the center of it. Yeah, I think that's very well said. The idea, you know, at the Last Supper, Jesus doesn't say do this to everyone. He says it to the apostles. And then the apostles commission other people who can do this. And the do this is that Eucharistic thing. And so you're right. Like apostolic succession makes sense precisely if 
you have a sacrifice that needs priests and not everyone is called to be this kind of priest. So then you have ordination, then you have St. Paul saying, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. And you have a really clear sense that some people are ordained to continue to do this Eucharistic thing. So the Eucharist and the priesthood are, are intimately tied together. The Eucharist and apostolic succession are intimately tied together. And, and you're right. Otherwise, we end up in this very strange place. So go back to Matthew 13. Jesus compares the growth of the church from that of a mustard seed to a mustard tree, the largest of all garden plants. And that's the, the promise for the church, that we're going to go from the tiniest kind of organization on earth to the largest. And so it's very strange where now that we're the largest, you have people saying, okay, we have to figure out how we can be the mustard seed. And it's like, no, no, you're not meant to be the mustard seed anymore. You're, you're meant to be the mustard tree. You know, obviously learn from the Christians who came before, but don't try to pretend you're in the first century and you just have a tiny little church because that's not the promise Jesus gave us. Well, thank you so much, Joe Heschmeyer. You can find his book and all the Catholic Answers has to offer at catholic.com. Again, catholic.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And speaking of which, you can uh, find information to all the guests that we're going to talk to actually even then the next hour as well we've got a lot coming up including much more on saint Teresa benedicta of the cross whose feast is today hope some of you can stay with us as the sunrise morning show continues after the break it's three till i'm father rob jack Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. But Michael Vanderberg will give us the news from Dayton to St. Vincent de Paul. Ed Clancy will share the latest news of persecution of the church around the world. I'll reflect on the life of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. For over 50 years, the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul has been providing food, clothing, rent, and utility assistance to people in six counties of Southern Ohio. You can join the St. Martin District of St. Vincent de Paul in helping our neighbors with a monetary or vehicle donation, which is simple and easy. 800-322-8284 or donate online at runforthepoor.org. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. 
Born from the heart of St. Daniel Komboni, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Kombonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. I'm Precious Blood Father Kevin Scow from Archbishop McNicholas High School. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new We continue on this Wednesday, the 9th of August, the Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, save your people. We pray for all who are persecuted. Send courageous witnesses to speak and intercede on their behalf. We pray for all who are blinded by prejudice. Send men and women of truth to open their eyes to see as you see. We pray for all who are deaf to your word. Send people, send people of eloquent tongue and deep prayer to speak to their hearts. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you sent your Son among us to redeem the people of the promise and the people who knew not your promises. Through the witness and prayer of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, bring all men and women to the joy of your kingdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. It is a better way to start a Wednesday morning. Some of you have been with us for a little while already, but it is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We'll check in with Father Philip Michael Tangora, and he's got an interesting case from England involving uh, a lawsuit over wrongful birth. What does that even mean, and how did it happen, and uh, what are the implications, as it were? Carlo Broussard is going to talk more about combating moral relativism and uh, the philosophies underpinning that. Will Peterson will join us from Eucharistic uh, Revival to discuss some pilgrimage stuff related to it. And then we'll get more into today's saint, St. Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. He normally talks about doctors of the church, and I still think that, you know, one of these days, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross might be one. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Ohio voters rejected yesterday a measure that could have made it harder to have abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution come November. Issue one was the only measure on the ballot in yesterday's special election. It was not about abortion specifically, but if it had passed, would have required at least 60% of voters to pass any future amendments to the state constitution. But now just a simple majority will be needed in November and for any future amendments proposed to the Ohio constitution. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's been called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. 
Mark Mayfield reports. Officials say that Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine, then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The attack came just as reports surfaced that Russia was plotting to assassinate Ukraine President Zelensky. I'm Mark Mayfield. The judge overseeing former President Trump's 2020 alleged election interference case has scheduled a hearing for this Friday. The hearing will likely determine what rules should be imposed for the handling of evidence in the case. The Justice Department recently filed for a protective order asking the judge to place some limits on Trump's speech about the evidence. Trump's lawyers are saying the order would violate the First Amendment. Pope Francis has resumed his Wednesday general audiences today. They had been suspended through the month of July, as per usual. The Holy Father used his catechesis time today to reflect on his experience in the past week in Portugal for World Youth Day, which he called a gift of God felt by all. The president of Vietnam met earlier this week with his country's bishops a little more than a week after meeting with Pope Francis to sign a joint agreement. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The meeting lasted more than an hour and was attended by 10 government officials and nine Vietnamese bishops, including the president, Archbishop Joseph Nguyen Nang, along with five priests and two religious. The bishops, who honored the Vietnamese president with two gifts, described the talks as open and sincere. During the meeting, President Van Turong acknowledged the contribution offered by the Catholic Church to Vietnamese society, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. He then spoke of his recent visit to Europe and to the Vatican. He said he was impressed by the meeting with Pope Francis on the 27th of July, specifically by the Holy Father's words on human fraternity. The Vietnamese president also expressed his appreciation for what Pope Francis said about the need to listen to others so as to understand them better. Father Dao Nguyen Vu, head of the Secretariat of the Vietnamese Bishops' Conference, then presented the activity of the church in the country by offering some data and explaining that the church only runs nursery schools but no elementary, middle or high school. President Van Turong said he will consider the matter. Archbishop Nguyen Nang also spoke of the work of the Catholic Church at the service of the country. Relations between the Holy See and Vietnam were interrupted in 1975, but have seen encouraging developments since 1990, and especially after the establishment over 10 years ago of a Vietnamese Holy See joint working group, which has led to the July agreement to have a resident papal representative in Hanoi. I am Lisa Zengarini. More Americans are dipping into their 401k accounts because of financial distress. That according to Bank of America data. The number of those who did so during the second quarter spiked from the same time last year by 36%. Most cite inflation as the main reason. And Virgin Galactic is set to launch its second commercial space flight on Thursday, the flight is scheduled to blast off from the company's Spaceport America in New Mexico with three passengers. One is an 80-year-old former Olympic canoeist, and two others will be the first mother-daughter duo to make the voyage after winning their seats in a Virgin Galactic competition aimed at sending, quote, more diverse humans to space. I mean... 
You got any thoughts, Matt? If your ship gets problems with its engine, I suppose it's good to have someone who can row. <laughs> Is that where you wanted to? <laughs> I didn't expect that. I win today's round. As many of you know, Annie's goal is to get me to say something my goal is to make her laugh if she laughs i win oh, if she doesn't laugh she wins oh yeah you definitely won that one i <laughs> it was good Matt. i like that there you go that's all i got that's all i got the sunrise morning show continues i'm matt swaim joined now by father philip michael tangora he's a pastor a canon lawyer joins us from new jersey every week to try and unpack complex issues and help us understand them from a Catholic perspective and why the church talks about things in certain ways. Father, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I'm going to need help with this one. This is a very no problem. confusing case uh, of a yeah. wrongful conception lawsuit that was actually won by a woman in the UK. In uh, the best layman's terms you can, try, try and explain this one. Okay, so what happened was a woman uh, in the UK named Evie Toombs sued her parents' doctor, Dr. Philip Mitchell, because she claims that he did not properly advise her parents about conceiving when they did. Uh, and at the time, they're saying that uh, there was a condition that led to her being then conceived with spina bifida. And if she believes that the doctor had the responsibility of advising her parents that she sh they should not conceive. And by virtue of the fact that uh, he did not advise them against conception, uh, she won a wrongful conception lawsuit uh, in British High Court in London. Uh, and that uh, led to her receiving millions of dollars uh, due to her you know, pain and suffering, if you will, with being a person with spina bifida, which then led to a, uh, recently a TikToker here in the United States claiming that she has sued her parents for having um, given birth to her without her consent in the womb. So this TikToker known as Cass Thies uh, has then claimed that uh, what is required for an ethical birth is that one contacts a psychic or a median or something like that to get consent from the child in the womb in order to then uh, let that child consent to being born. Okay, so now that's, uh, there, there are multiple issues. Here. Oh, there's well, so many. One is that uh, it's really hard in a uh, society that functions on the written contract to be able to get, you know, a written, a written document from a uh, preborn spirit. This is just a little <laughs> bit difficult to to obtain. But I have I yeah. have lots of other kinds of questions. So it was difficult for me to uh, to determine from the article and the, as as it was the facts yeah. of the case is stated by the various articles that I read this morning, actually. Is she suing because her mom didn't get the right prenatal care, or is she suing because she was born at all? Because those are, seem to be two kinds of different questions, and one of them, if they are uh, now if managed they are properly, both right it's could both. Uh, 
could lead us to help maybe figure out a way to get more legal protection for malpractice as it applies to fetuses so that they get the same kinds of protections that a born person might. But I, I may be reading this completely backwards. No, no, you're reading it correctly. The, the situation is that uh, all of this actually comes down to parental rights and the rights of the uh, pre-born child in the womb. And what's interesting about this is the, the, the one very woke person in the United States, this TikToker, Cass she's prescribing rights to an infant in the womb. Because if you have to get the consent of the child before being born, to be born, then you're saying that there's rights to the child in the womb. Which, you know what, I hope that, that, I hope that the woke culture just destroyed abortion we'll in see. the United States. I would, I would love that. I would be, but I'd be shocked if the that's the hand, implication. Yeah, yeah but I know, the other but hand still, be, might be the opposite. On the other side, we we talk about you know this the, the 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 role of the doctor and the parents, and you know how much does the doctor have to say? I mean, because honestly, and this comes to a very serious uh, question, is you know we we've always said that yes, a doctor has their duty of informing. Uh, parents of potential gen uh, uh, defects in uh, in the womb and stuff like that. However, we have to be very careful with that being like a caveat to oh, so you should abort. Yeah, well, this is something that you know. Uh, there's actually a scientist on the path to sainthood who uh, dealt with the implications of this. Uh, you know, Jerome Lejeune discovered the cause of Down syndrome, hoping that it would help us figure out better ways to, you know, help people who have it. And instead, the culture turned and said, okay, now we know in advance and can abort these children before they see the light of day. So, I mean, this is, with all these things, you can't just, you can't just look at the technology and, and deem it neutral. You have to bring a, a theology, a philosophy, an ethic, an yeah. understanding, an anthropology, a, a valuing of the human person because anybody can use this information in any number of ways, depending on how they're formed. Absolutely. And we have to look at the, so it's, it, there's the issue of the parental rights, you know, because here's the thing, the parents wanted to have this child, even if they knew that she had spina bifida, or there was the possibility of conceiving a child with spina bifida, then that's, that's still their right to give birth to that child. And that child then retroactively saying, well, I wish I was never born uh, or you didn't get my consent to be born or to conceive me with spina bifida, you know, or the possibility of developing spina bifida because of uh, different nutritional issues that might have been present uh, with the mother at that point in time in her life. Again, these kinds of things, uh, you know, it, it really makes uh, you have to wonder you know, uh, where is the consent? If the parents are the ones who are consenting to conceive, if the doctor is the one who's saying, you know, this is not something that is going to be, you know, life-threatening to this child, so they might have spina bifida. You can live with spina bifida. There's perfect, that's not in any way an issue. You know, there's there's issues here that are needing to be protected. And I think, that both the medical practice, the parental rights, and this whole uh, 
issue of consent from the uh, child in the womb, all three of these need to be uh, heavily analyzed at a legal level because uh, ultimately it has long lasting uh, societal effects and legal scholars better start to really dig deep because when they start prescribing the fact that the consent of the child, even after the fact of having been born, well, I feel that, you know, I shouldn't have been born. That's a very, very slippery legal slope. Well, and, you know, I, I'll only ask the philosophical question behind it rhetorically, because I don't expect you to have to answer it. But if the mm -hmm. person argues that their parents should have waited a couple of months to conceive them, well, technically, the gametes of the contributing parents would have cycled through completely, and it would be a genetically different human being than her. True. True. It might even be a, a male. I don't see this is these are yeah. questions that we cannot get into in this particular forum, but I'm curious yeah. about it. 16 minutes past the hour. Father Tangora, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. God bless, everybody. We're back right after this. Are you looking for peace, longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Ohio voters have rejected a measure that would have made it harder to get abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution in November. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's being called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. And the president of Vietnam met earlier this week with his country's bishops. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, happy feast day to all the Teresas listening yes. this morning. There are many. To my sure. Rosemary Teresa, who 
I at least had this particular Teresa in mind in naming her Rosemary Teresa. Is do, should I do the uh, the thing that we do about four times a year where I ask you to rank your Teresas? Oh, gosh. The it's impossible so task unfair. of ranking your Teresas? It's so unfair. You know, there is a book that I would highly recommend. I don't remember how long ago she wrote it now called The Four Teresas, Gina Lair. Yes. And... It, Meaning Teresa of Calcutta, yep, right? Yep. Teresa of Avila, Therese yep. of Lisieux, and Teresa, Teresa Benedict, Benedict of, of the Cross. cross. Yeah, and Four pretty strong at, Teresas. And she looked at the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, and looked at each of those four Teresas in light of that. And so, Teresa Benedict of the Cross, can you guess which one she covered? Um, that would be... Well, would, with would your she mind, be love or mind. Okay, mind. wait. No, so this all is tricky them, because all of them all can of apply them in their own love. way. Well, yeah, of course. But I mean, the love of the neighbor yourself is pretty, pretty straightforwardly Teresa of Calcutta. Absolutely. But mind, I mean, you can get. I mean, Teresa of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, both mm-hmm. doctors of the church. Well, yeah, Teresa is. Heart. But she's story of a soul. So uh, wait, she's heart. She's heart, not soul. Teresa of Avila is soul. I think and that Teresa, Teresa of Avila Benedict of the Cross is mind. I think Avila and Lisieux should both be heart and soul. They all fit. I mean, really. That's all I got. <laughs> all you holy Teresas. Pray for us. Pray for us. It is 21 minutes past the hour. Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. But Michael Vanderberg will give us the news from Dayton to St. Vincent de Paul. Ed Clancy will share the latest news of persecution of the church around the world. I'll reflect on the life of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, the frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org.
23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Carlo Broussard is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers. Listen to his Sunday Catholic Word podcast at mrsundaypodcast.com. He'd love to speak at your parish as well. Go to catholicanswersspeakers.com to invite him. And we're going through his book, The New Relativism, Unmasking the Philosophy of Today's Woke Moralists. Carlo, welcome back. Anna, thanks for having me back. You bet. It's good to have you. So today we're going to be unpacking the second chapter of your book, um, looking at a version of relativism that you have dubbed, Thou Shalt Not Impose. How is this manifested? Well, it's manifested in a few ways. So I give uh, a few examples in the culture, one of which comes from comedian Melissa McCarthy. In a video for Glamour, she was asked, what does true equality mean to you? So here's her answer. When we're no longer asking what true equality is, (laughs) when we don't think about it, she said, uh, we don't think about color or sex or gender or who's doing what. I think it's when everybody just worries about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of a minds-off approach. Let's just stop thinking about how everybody's living their lives. Keep to yourself. The implication is don't impose, right? And so the question is, well, what do, what, what do people mean by thou shalt not impose? Well, Collins Online Dictionary says impose is when you try to make other people accept your belief. And that seems to be what McCarthy is getting at. We just need to worry about ourselves and stop worrying about everybody else. Mm. And so the imposition that the modern culture says we should not do is persuasion. We shouldn't try to persuade other people to believe and adopt what we believe. Now, you asked how is the relativism manifested that? Well, McCarthy doesn't give us a reason as to why we should keep our minds off and stop thinking about all of these things. So either A, there's no truth for anyone to know or objective good for anyone to pursue, hence we don't need to think about these things, and that would be total relativism. Or B, there might be objective truth to be known and good to be pursued, but we shouldn't worry ourselves about them anyway, just live as if truth doesn't exist. That would be a practical relativism. Or C, maybe there's objective truth and goods to pursue, but we just can never know them. That would be skepticism, which is a sister of relativism. And so McCarthy's not quite clear as to why we should not think about these things and try to persuade people about our beliefs. But for whatever reason it is, it's going to in some way, shape, or form be tethered to the philosophical worldview of relativism. So that's one way. In I was going to say, you've got other examples in here yeah. that, um, that are a lot more um, pointed, shall we say, yeah. at uh, keeping beliefs private and not imposing. Why don't you tell us about them? Yeah, so uh, there are some who will give specific reasons why we should keep our beliefs private and not, quote-unquote, impose or persuade others. Namely, for if we do, it's going to bring about nothing but conflict and violence, right? So 
popular atheist Sam Harris was asked, if you could get rid of uh, either religion or rape, what would you get rid of? And he says, religion, because it's caused so many deaths. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Alan Clifton, co-founder of Forward Progressives and author of the popular Right Off a Cliff column, says we need to keep our beliefs private. Can you imagine how more peaceful the world would be, right? <laughs> Donovan Jensen, a blogger, says that whenever we try to uh, persuade other people to believe what we believe and not keep our beliefs private, we damage relationships. Now, these guys are manifesting relativism. At least Harris is manifesting a religious relativism. So that's a little bit more localized or partial. Sure. But Donovan Jensen actually is interesting because whenever, as I quote him in the book, he only considers two possible outcomes for trying to two possible motivations for trying to persuade people, like to beat the satisfaction of being right and the awkward feeling of pressuring other people to adopt your view. But he does not consider that perhaps the pursuit of truth, arriving at truth, and arriving at what is good and conforming your life thereto is a possible motivation for trying to persuade people. Right? So in Jensen's worldview, Anna, there is truth Absolute truth and absolute goodness is not even on the table as a possible explanation as to why we might try to persuade other people. And the only explanation of that is that apparently he doesn't think there is any truth to come to know or any good to pursue. Hence the, the labeling of the bad motivations as to why we might try to go and persuade people to believe what we believe. So there's, a, there's relativism lurking behind these commands Keep your beliefs private. Stop trying to think about what everybody's doing. Keep everything to yourself. Thou shalt not impose. Okay, Carla, we don't have enough time to go through all yeah. of what you've done in the book to refute this, and maybe we can save that for our next conversation. Yep. Can Absolutely. Can you just in like 30 seconds, this makes no sense. Like, would we be able to think anything? <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, I can't think of any way that this is even humanly possible. Well, one, one off the hip. Here you go. You ready? Yeah. Well, McCarthy's actually thinking about not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess she's violating her own principles. Do not think about these things. I but guess. But she's thinking about these things. Wow. I mean, that's the logical incoherency of the modern mind. It's insanity. It is. It really is. Well, we'll get uh, more technical in our next conversation, uh, refuting Absolutely. these arguments in a more philosophical way. In the meantime, we've got the new relativism linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Carlo, thank you. Anna, thank you. I look forward to the next time. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Ohio voters have rejected a measure that would have made it harder to get abortion rights enshrined in the Ohio Constitution come November. Issue one was not about abortion. It was up for it was up for consideration in a special election yesterday and the only issue on the ballot. It would have required at least 60 percent of voters to pass any future amendments to the state constitution which would include the upcoming abortion proposed constitutional amendment in November. As it is, it will only take a simple majority to pass it. 
U.S. bishops are crying foul after the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission released proposed regulations that would use the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act to advance abortion. Bishop Michael Burbage released a statement saying this is wrong and contrary to the purpose of the act, which is to help make it possible for working mothers to remain gainfully employed if desired while protecting their health and that of their preborn children. Bishop Burbage said they supported the act. He said, quote, the act is pro-worker, pro-family and pro-life. It is a total distortion to use this law as a means for advancing abortion and the complete opposite of needed assistance for pregnant mothers, end quote. The U.S. saw a record number of billion-dollar weather disasters in the first seven months of this year. Mark Mayfield reports. A new report from the National Centers for Environmental Information says 15 disasters were confirmed between January and July. That's the highest number since 1980. It includes 13 severe storms, one winter storm, and one flooding. The cost totals nearly $40 billion and 113 fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's being called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. Officials say Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine and then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The attack came as reports were surfacing that Russia might be plotting to assassinate the Ukrainian president. Pope Francis has resumed his Wednesday general audiences today. They had been suspended through the month of July as per usual. The Holy Father used his catechesis time to reflect on his experience in the past week in Portugal for World Youth Day. He called it a gift of God felt by all. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's theme for the next World Day of Peace on January 1st, which will focus on artificial intelligence and peace. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. In the next World Day of Peace message, Pope Francis will call for an open dialogue on the meaning of the new technologies endowed with disruptive possibilities and ambivalent effects. The recurrence is celebrated every January 1st, the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. It was established in 1967, instituting a long tradition of messages from the Holy Father, exhorting all people to reflect on important subjects in relation to the work of building peace. In his next message, Pope Francis is going to stress the importance to be vigilant while working on the implementation of new technologies such as the artificial intelligence, so that the logic of violence and discrimination does not take root in the production and use of such devices at the expense of the most fragile and excluded, as injustice and inequalities fuel conflicts and antagonisms. The message will also also touch on the impelling need to orient the concept and use of artificial intelligence in a responsible way, aiming at having it at the service of humanity and the protection of our common home. This will not be possible without extending that ethical reflection to the fields of education and law. The statement concluded by affirming how the protection of the dignity of the person and concern for a fraternity effectively open to the entire human family represents indispensable conditions for technological development to help contribute to the promotion of justice and peace in the world. I am Eduardo Giribaldi. 
more Americans are dipping into their 401k accounts because of financial distress. That according to Bank of America data saying they did so because of inflation. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast are in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Schneller and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Wednesday, August the 9th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like we got more storms headed our way. Right now, temperatures in the mid-60s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be mostly cloudy with afternoon and evening storms today and a high of 85 degrees. Scattered storms tonight and muggy with an overnight low of 68. Morning showers likely and isolated showers into the early afternoon with a high of 83 tomorrow. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, Thunderstorms developing this afternoon with a high of 83. Storms tonight and an overnight low of 67. Rain early, but sunshine later in the day. Tomorrow with a high of 82. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Seven minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Will Peterson. He's president and founder of Modern Catholic Pilgrim, and this is the organization that is managing the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage leading up to the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. Will, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be on it. It is great to have you. Now, first of all, just tell us a little bit about your organization, Modern Catholic Pilgrim. Sure. So we're a Catholic nonprofit that has a mission of deepening faith and building community across the United States through walked pilgrimage in the Catholic tradition, just recognizing that this is one of our oldest forms of prayer in the Church and something that can really be developed as part of our culture of prayer here in the United States. So we've been doing that for about six years now. Wait, did you say walked Catholic pilgrimage? How is that Correct. modern? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, I think, yeah, for us, that sense of the modern of like bringing that, you know, one of the oldest traditions of the walk into Rome or the Holy Land that, uh, you know, our Catholic forebears were doing for centuries and, and bringing that onto our modern walkways here in the United States. Uh, Love it. Yeah. 
I think it no, I think it's great. So now you are heading up the the planning of the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage, as I was saying, uh, leading into the National Eucharistic Congress that's taking place in Indianapolis next summer. So tell us about how this pilgrimage is going to play out, because it's actually, I guess you could say, uh, a few pilgrimages (laughs) that will culminate in one place, right? Correct, yeah. Right, right, yeah. One pilgrimage with four separate routes of the pilgrimage all coming together in Indianapolis. So, uh, Bishop Cousins, the chair of the National Eucharistic Revival in the Congress, and you know the the wonderful leadership team at the Congress uh, really had this great vision for an initiative of, in a lot of ways, like uh, galvanizing young people, and then also just you know the, the faithful writ large in the United States along four routes coming from the east, west, north, and south uh, over two months to arrive at Indianapolis in time for the Congress. And so we're doing it as a Eucharistic pilgrimage, which means that each route, so one starts at the headwaters of the Mississippi River in northern Minnesota, one starts in New Haven, Connecticut, the burial site of Blessed Michael McGivney, one starts at uh, the border in Brownsville, Texas, and one starts on the coast in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, these young adults, accompanied by a priest chaplain, will be doing essentially a series of Eucharistic processions as they walk across the country to Indianapolis to attend this Congress, this great holy site, uh, and, and inviting people to take part in those processions, their walking, their events at parishes along the way, you know, masses throughout on each route. Sure. Okay. So if you look at kind of a, a big map of the United States and see these pilgrimages, listeners will see that it, it looks like a cross, coming from the east and the west and the north and the south, as as you were saying. But, Will, will you take us behind the scenes a little bit? I mean, aside from the idea of making it look like a cross, which I'm sure was intentional, um, yeah. how did you choose the routes that you did? Uh, you know, again, a, a lot of it so is through the leadership of, of the uh, team of the Congress and Bishop Cousins, the sense that, you know, the Headwaters of the Mississippi River, a great site, just American site, up from the north, and then Blessed Michael McGivney being a great uh, leader in our church, and, you know, example of the Knights of Columbus. So he helped found the Knights of Columbus, and uh, so a wonderful starting point in the east. And then just coming up, I mean, from our southern border in the sense of going through the Gulf Coast, which is so historically, traditionally Catholic here in the United States, and then uh, out of the west, just a, a site that's, you know, a major starting point, of course, there as well. So uh, just these opportunities to go into these dioceses and then to travel through. I think we're getting close to about 70 dioceses through which we travel on the four routes. Nice. So it's over a third of the dioceses of the United States will have a route come through them, including the great Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And so making it, again, just being accessible to the people, this opportunity to take part even in a small way with this national pilgrimage event. I see you've done your homework on the Sunrise Morning (laughs) Show. Thank you for uh, mentioning our great Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Excited to have the pilgrimage coming through here for sure. Um, We're talking to Will Peterson. He's the president and founder of Modern Catholic Pilgrim, which is uh, undergoing uh, the planning of the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage. And each of these routes is named for someone significant in American Catholic history. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So the northern route is the Marian route in a special way given to Our Lady because we get to stop at a number of Marian shrines, but including the now recently renamed National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion, 
Yeah. So just outside Green Bay, Wisconsin, is the only Vatican-approved Marian apparition to have occurred in the United States. So this is saying, you know, the Vatican says, yes, Mary appeared here. And so in a way, you get to then take on the name of the site, which is a beautifully named town of Champion, Wisconsin. And so, like, that's essentially our Lord or Fatima, you know, uh, yeah. Guadalupe. And so to be able to stop there just felt appropriate to name that the Marian route. The route out of that eastern route we call the St. Elizabeth Ann Seton route for her great devotion to the Eucharist and her great work in the eastern part of the United States. Coming up from Brownsville, we have the St. Juan Diego route, just honoring, again, that, that wonderful culture out of the south, that Hispanic Catholic culture. And then from the west, we have the St. Junipero Serra route, you know, that great apostle to the west coast and to California, uh, you know, specifically. So it's wonderful to have these uh, North American, you know, of course, Our Lady just transcends all, but uh, these great representations of, of the Catholic faith here in the United States to walk with and under their mantle and their intercession. Yeah, those who are on the uh, Sarah route are going to be have to be as uh, as uh, stout as he was in terms <laughs> yes. of, wow, they have a long pilgrimage to make to Indianapolis, starting in San Francisco. And that kind of leads me to my last question for you, Will. Um, sure. Even though uh, this also happens uh, for, for the Eastern pilgrims uh, coming on the Seton route, but how is Jesus going to cross the mountains? So there will be times where we do have a support vehicle, and uh, we'll have it like a, a traveling chapel, as it, as it were, where there might cool. be points where we have to drive certain sections. But we do intend, I believe, to have uh, a, at least some sort of prayer service and to expose Christ and the monstrance at the highest point there in Colorado and the Rockies as you go over into Denver. So we're really excited by that opportunity to bring Christ to this highest point and just to, to bless our country as we make our way to Indianapolis for wonderful events at the Congress. Wow. Thank you so much, Will Peterson. You can find this pilgrimage linked at sonrisemorningshow.com if you want to get more information. Matt, could you imagine Eucharistic adoration at the highest point you can get Jesus in the United States? That'd be pretty cool. Be pretty cool. Climb that mountain. Mm-hmm. You could call that for the Frasati route. The Frasati route. I don't or know. the you know, the John Paul II route. Yeah, or the John Paul II route, that's true. I'm trying to think of who the mountain climber said. The Saint Simeon Stylites route. <laughs> See the you guy. You are who, uh, on it today, man. Hung out on You're top making of me laugh all the time. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. They handed it like his food up to him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. I was um I don't know of I'm trying to think of, of some of the great Catholic um well, the great Catholics of America, and if there were any mountain climbers among them, like you wonder if like Demetrius Galitzin was good well, at you know, mountain climbing. He mentioned St. Elizabeth you know? Ann Seton, and if you've ever been to Emmitsburg, where her shrine is, the Lord's Grotto up the hill huh. from uh, the Seton Shrine is up, I mean, it's up on kind of like a, it's like an Appalachian foothill kind of mountain, mm -hmm. but there's like this rock up there. And it's called, uh, they got a little placard that says oh, yeah, Mother Seton's Rock. She used to walk up the top of the hill and sit on that rock and teach. So cool. That's the closest thing I can think of. Okay. Well, if anybody knows of any mountain climber, great American Catholics from our history, we should have been talking to Kevin Schmeising about this. We really should have. We got to get Kevin Schmeising on it. Absolutely. We'll figure it out. In any event, today, the Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, and we are going to talk more about her with Dr. Matthew Bunsen coming up next here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 14 till.
Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Laura, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts, encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk and to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. When was the time you wish you had taken action? Share your story today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Vice President and Editorial Director of EWTN News. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. Great to be with you. It is great to have you back, especially when we are talking about my girl, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who was born Edith Stein in a Jewish family. She would eventually become Catholic, then a Carmelite nun, and then a martyr at Auschwitz, <laughs> which is a really long, winding story, is it not? It is, but um, the remarkable life, the extraordinary life of Edith Stein, or, or Teresa Benedict of the Cross, as you say, is uh, in many ways uh, a picture-perfect understanding of the 20th century, but also of the cross. And in that sense, I think she stands as a very important role model for everyone today, especially when we get into the details of her life, starting with the fact that she grew up in a house filled with the, a religion of faith in this case, the religion of her parents, uh, the Jewish faith. But by the age of 14, uh, she had lost that faith. She had given up prayer. She considered herself essentially an agnostic. But really, she was somebody who had wandered from her own faith and was caught in the grips of what she described as a, a kind of rationalistic relationship uh, at, that brought her to reject uh, God, to reject religious practice. But that, in its own way, because of her intellectual honesty, because of her pursuit of the truth, set her on a course uh, that brought her right back to the truth and brought her to Christ. 
I was going to say, could you could you speak about her as someone who is a model of truth seeking? Well, for her, uh, she was trying to find uh, what she described as objective solutions. Uh, she considered herself, for example, when she uh, was uh, a young student at secondary school, uh, that she was, uh, by her own admission, a radical feminist. Sounds familiar for the journey of so many um, young women today. And then she realized that this was not objectively true. And so that brought her to, given her genius-level IQ, uh, to the area of philosophy, of academics. And that then brought her to a great philosopher by the name of Edmund Husserl, uh, who himself influenced uh, another great uh, philosopher and theologian in the history of the Church, and that's Carol Wotiva, of course, who went on to become Pope St. John Paul II. But that pursuit of the truth, similar in so many ways to Augustine of Hippo, who was constantly and relentlessly searching for the truth, she obtained a doctorate uh, in philosophy, summa cum laude. Uh, she was prevented from going on to a, a, what would have been a brilliant academic career, partly because she was a woman, partly because she was Jewish. Uh, but that did not uh, stop her from continuing that pursuit. And that also then led her to the extraordinary encounters that she had with the Christian faith, in particular uh, the, the encounter that she had with the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. And she said that when she finished that book, she said to herself, this is the truth. And that uh, the other way that she put it was her longing for truth was her one prayer. Wow. Which is, of course, she she took the religious name Teresa Benedicta of the cross. Of course, Teresa for St. Teresa of Avila, as you were just mentioning. Where did Benedicta of the cross come from? (laughs) Well, uh, for Benedicta, it was this deep understanding on her part of the role of the cross. She said that uh, beneath the cross, I understood the destiny of God's people. And today I know far better what it means to be the Lord's bride under the sign of the cross, and that her only vocation, she wrote, uh, will be love. And and that, I think, um, for her, you can track this journey from her loss of faith as a teenager to the coming to the understanding of truth, and now uh, finding placing herself beneath the cross, and the cross becomes this great symbol of her life and the great cause of her life. And she understood where events were turning by the 1930s uh, in Europe, and that ultimately was an understanding on her part as well of what her final destiny was going to be, but that beautiful journey that she took to get there. Yeah, talk about that that final journey that she would make, ultimately ending in Auschwitz. Well, the, the, the Nazi occupation of Europe was uh, brutal. Uh, it was uh, a, a nightmare that had descended on the world. And the resistance to it uh, sparked great fury on the part of the Nazis to try to protect her. Uh, she had been moved by the Carmelites, uh, uh, from Cologne to the Netherlands in the hopes that, that she'd be safe. But, of course, the war just kept expanding. And as a result of uh, Catholic opposition to the brutal treatment of uh, the Gestapo and the SS had brought uh, to the Netherlands, uh, she was arrested uh, along with several hundred other um, Jewish um, members of the community. And she was arrested on August 2nd, 1942, while she was praying in the chapel. 
and the SS then transported her to the concentration camp of Auschwitz, as you noted. Uh, and it was there, uh, we believe, around August 9th uh, that she was sent to the gas chamber. For her, though, as she understood, as I said, all the way back in 1939, where this was headed, she wrote in this, I had a spiritual testament that even now I accept the death that God has prepared for me in complete submission and with joy as being his most holy will for me. She added that I ask the Lord to accept my life and my death so that the Lord will be accepted by his people and that his kingdom may come in glory for the salvation of Germany and the peace of the world. She had made her own death, anticipating it some three years before it happened a gift, a recognition of the importance and the power of the cross. You know, Dr. Bunsen, you look at pictures of her, and she looks so sullen, like a like a sourpuss. Was she a joyful person? <laughs> she was. And the intensity of her, though, must have been quite something to encounter. I imagine. Uh, we can't overlook the, the level of genius of this extraordinary woman. Uh, her doctorate in philosophy was in one of the most complicated, recondite subjects in all of philosophy, and that's phenomenology, and that's the study of actual phenomena. And, and we could spend days just trying to unpack uh, the, the school of phenomenology. Let's just say, as with Carol Wojtyla, you have to be really smart to study a lot of this. <laughs> but, but beyond that, uh, it, it, how to interpret it and bring it into the lives of everyone else. And that was one of her goals. But but she always had as her purpose studying a topic like phenomenology, but then trying in her own brilliant way to connect it uh, to reality, to connect it to the faith, and especially to Thomas Aquinas. And, and for that, we are so grateful to her. We really are. St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, pray for us. Pray for us. Dr. Matthew Bunsen, thank you so much. Great to be with you. It was great to have you. And Matt, just quickly, we've been talking about it. One of these days, I'm pretty sure Dr. Matthew Bunsen will be doing a Doctors of the Church episode on Teresa that's Benedict not, of the Cross. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh. The way you set that up, I thought you said one of these days, Dr. Matthew Bunsen is going to be a doctor. Well, that wouldn't surprise me either, quite I honestly. Add him to the list. I knew that guy. I know. How cool. Back again tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. So you just got home from a restful summer vacation and you hear that Sacred Heart Radio has a summer deficit. And because of what you just spent, you're not sure if you can help. Well, I am happy to report that our first appeal did decrease the deficit down to $35,000. So, by combining a number of small $5 and $10 gifts, we could wipe out our $35,000 deficit by Labor Day. So, to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click on Donate. Thanks and welcome home. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at bridgetownfinermeats.com.
For more than 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Komboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Continue on this Wednesday, the 9th of August, praying through the intercession of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, whose feast day is today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O oh my God, fill my soul with holy joy, courage, and strength to serve you. And kindle your love in me, and then walk with me along the next stretch of road before me. I do not see very far ahead, but when I have arrived where the horizon now closes down, a new prospect will open before me, and I shall meet it with peace. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We're glad you're along on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we will check in with Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life to figure out uh, what's going on in the aftermath of the Issue 1 vote yesterday. Rita Heikenfeld joins us for Bible Foods. Father Rob Jack with more on today's saint, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. And then Monsignor Charles Pope joining us at the end of the hour as well. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Ohio voters have decided against stricter rules on passing constitutional amendments in the state. Preliminary election results show issue one failed yesterday with roughly 57% of voters 
voting no. Millions of dollars from various political groups went toward pushing this issue up to Election Day due to the measure's potential impact on future referendums. One of the largest looming decisions for Ohio voters now is a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion rights in the state, which is set to go on the general election ballot in November. The U.S. bishops are crying foul after the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission released proposed regulations that would use the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act to advance abortion. Bishop Michael Burbage released a statement saying this is wrong and contrary to the purpose of the act, which is to help make it possible for working mothers to remain gainfully employed if desired while protecting their health and that of their preborn children. He said the bishops supported this act. He said, quote, the act is pro-worker, pro-family, and pro-life. It is a total distortion to use this law as a means for advancing abortion and the complete opposite of needed assistance for pregnant mothers, end quote. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's been called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. Officials say that Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine, then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The attack came just as reports surfaced that Russia was plotting to assassinate Ukraine President Zelensky. I'm Mark Mayfield. The judge presiding over Donald Trump's election case has ordered lawyers from both sides to be in court on Friday to discuss restrictions on what the former president can say about the case. The Justice Department recently filed for a protective order asking the federal judge to place limits on Trump's speech about the evidence. Trump's lawyers say that order would violate the First Amendment. Pope Francis resumed his Wednesday general audiences today. They had been suspended as per usual through the month of July. The Holy Father used his catechesis time today to reflect on his experience in the past week in Portugal for World Youth Day, which he called a gift of God felt by all. The president of Vietnam met earlier this week with his country's bishops a little more than a week after meeting with Pope Francis to sign a joint agreement. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. The meeting lasted more than an hour and was attended by 10 government officials and nine Vietnamese bishops, including the president, Archbishop Joseph Nguyen Nang, along with five priests and two religious. The bishops who honored the Vietnamese president with two gifts described the talks as open and sincere. During the meeting, President Van Turong acknowledged the contribution offered by the Catholic Church to Vietnamese society, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. He then spoke of his recent visit to Europe and to the Vatican. He said he was impressed by the meeting with Pope Francis on the 27th of July, specifically by the Holy Father's words on human fraternity. The Vietnamese president also expressed his appreciation for what Pope Francis said about the need to listen to others so as to understand them better. Father Dao Nguyen Vu, head of the Secretariat of the Vietnamese Bishops' Conference, then presented the activities of the church in the country by offering some data and explaining that the church only runs nursery schools, but no elementary, middle or high school. President Van Turong said he will consider the matter. 
Archbishop Nguyen Nang also spoke of the work of the Catholic Church at the service of the country. Relations between the Holy See and Vietnam were interrupted in 1975, but have seen encouraging developments since 1990, and especially after the establishment over 10 years ago of a Vietnamese Holy See joint working group, which has led to the July agreement to have a resident papal representative in Hanoi. I am Lisa Zengarini. And President Biden is taking action to protect nearly a million acres around the Grand Canyon. During a visit to Arizona yesterday, Biden designated the area a national monument. The move protects lands considered sacred to Native Americans in the region and permanently bans new uranium mining. Biden called the area a, quote, birthright passed down from generation to generation. The designation is part of the president's plan to conserve 30 percent of U.S. land and waters by 2030. 807 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Red's got to figure it out. Uh, uh, Red's, yeah, they do. Red's blew it last night. Uh, two to one was the score going into the seventh inning. And then Jorge Soler hit a home run. That uh, was a no-doubter. He crushed a two-run shot that gave Miami the lead that they held on to. And uh, the Marlins knock off the Reds 3-2. to two. Red Legs trying to win the series this afternoon. And, uh, you know, I, I hate calling games must-win games. But these feel kind of like must-win games, or at least the Reds need to get out of their rut. That would be a, uh, a big help for today. So uh, Cincinnati going at it with the Marlins, sending out uh, Graham Ashcraft to the hill. You know who's pitching for the Marlins, Anna Mitchell? Who? Johnny Cueto. 12.35 start today from Great American Ballpark. Get this. Ohio's advancing in the Little League World Series. Nice. Ohio edged uh, Kentucky 8-5 in the Great Lakes Regional Semifinal. Team will play uh, Illinois this afternoon in the final. So we got to beat Illinois. You know why? Because the Cubs reside in Illinois. So this is like a Reds-Cubs Little League matchup. Ooh. I know. I, I remember, what, two years ago when, when we played that uh, that uh, game out in Iowa. Kind of felt like a Little League game mm-hmm. against the Cubs. What was it? Field of Dreams game. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I was, yeah. Kind of, I, I kind was disappointed at the Field of Dreams game because the Cubs had better uniforms. Better throwback uniforms. Yeah. I think we won that game. Did we? I don't remember. That. I don't remember. I, we were remember we were not as good uh, as we are this year. So yeah, that would be a lot. Well, more we got to get we got to get back in gear. Got to get back in gear. Yeah, this is the time. You ain't kidding. Well, uh, let's speaking of gears, let's get to uh, shift gears and uh, go to traffic now. Traffic a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Any good news there? Yeah, just a couple of slow spots, really, to report in the usual areas. Northbound 7175 is a little slow from just before 275 up to the Cut in the Hill. Northbound 471 from Alexandria Pike up to the river. Southbound 75 is slowing as you head through the Lachlan split. Also looks a little slow going northbound um, as you approach the Norwood lateral. Eastbound 74, you'll be on the brakes as you approach the 75 interchange. And northbound 71 is a little bit slow between, eh, we'll say like Red Bank and Pfeiffer. Not terrible, but worth mentioning. All right, now for weather. 
storms returning to the area, it appears. Mostly cloudy today in Cincinnati with some afternoon and evening storms. A high of 85 degrees. Scattered storms tonight and muggy with an overnight low of 68. Some morning showers likely tomorrow. Isolated showers into the early afternoon and a high tomorrow of 83 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, a few isolated thunderstorms developing this afternoon and a high of 83 today. Thunderstorms tonight with an overnight low of 67 Rain early with a slight chance for some afternoon storms, but otherwise sunny later in the day tomorrow and a high of 82 degrees. Today is Wednesday, August the 9th. It is the Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. We'll share with you a conversation with uh, Matt and Father Rob Jack that they had a little bit earlier today on her science of the cross. St. Teresa Benedict of the cross, pray for us. With us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is our pro-life correspondent, Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Well, it is good to talk to you as always, but obviously a rather disappointing morning for us in the pro-life community. Absolutely. Um, It's really, really sad. The abortion target remains over our state after yesterday's defeat of issue one. Um, As you've been reporting all morning, 57% of Ohioans passed a no vote and 43% voted yes for ballot issue number one. So Ohio's constitution will remain vulnerable to outside special interest groups that are attempting to enshrine painful late-term abortions in the upcoming November election. Um, you know, we kept, Annie, we've been talking about it for months now, but issue one would have raised the voter threshold to 60% from its current 50% plus one in regards to amending our state's constitution with citizens-led ballot initiatives. And the signature requirement for amendments would have increased from 44 counties to all 88 counties with a victory of this issue. And it would have given a voice to all Ohioans, not just the urban voters. And obviously, this is particularly glaring and telling in this very special election. Mm-hmm. Um, 59 Annie, of 88 counties cast a yes vote. Wow. So the majority of counties are pro-life and showed up and voted strongly that way. And they were in support of the protection of our Constitution. But the major metropolitan areas of the state carried the progressive pro-abortion vote, disregarding the largest geographic part of Ohio's map of citizens. Um, And as we know, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and company were supported by last-minute dark money, you know, flooding our airwaves with confusing commercials, and they were providing deceptive messages to voters. And the pro-life vote was only a yes vote. There was no way around that truth. You know, some people who were saying, well, I'm pro-life, but I, nope. Nope, sorry. This was a very black and white vote. If you were truly strongly pro-life, it was an obvious yes vote to align our Constitution with the majority of the states in America. And Ohio ranks either one or two in vulnerability to being amended with really diabolical things. And this will continue because of the defeat yesterday. Well, hopefully those people who said, I'm pro-life, but 
don't want to make it harder to amend the Ohio Constitution will be showing up in November to make sure that this ballot initiative is defeated because it is now going to be very easy uh, to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. That's absolutely right. Um, with the next big election list, the 90 days away on November 7th, the pro-life community of Ohio, we just got to dust ourselves off and carry on for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the defeat of issue one was not the result we wanted, but we worked and prayed for, too. Um, for 50 years, Cincinnati Right to Life has remained the steadfast and strong group in defense of life in Ohio. And this will continue with vigor over the next 90 days. And we must defeat this upcoming full-term abortion amendment that Ohio's abortion businesses, again, these are for-profit businesses that are attempting to enshrine into our Constitution, listeners. I mean, once it gets in there, it can't get out. And that's where it's just intolerable for anybody to say they're pro-life and to have cast a no vote. And uh, I just won't waver on that. So our founding document should not be home to such a vile proposition. And Ohioans do not want parental rights removed, nor do they want full-term babies aborted in our beautiful state. And it does happen. I mean, it happens tragically. Yeah, so... (laughs) Well... Why don't you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's not there's not much more to say except as you no. were as you were putting it. You know, it's time to to dust ourselves off and um, and really really dig in for a hard fought battle ahead. Now, you do have some other Ohio election news to share with us, right? And we've remained pretty silent about this just because with the vote coming. Um, You know, we didn't want to confuse voters about the August 8th, but in other Ohio election news, there were motions and briefs filed at the Ohio Supreme Court in the past week in regards to the case against the November abortion ballot measure. So, as we know, the abortion cartel gathered signatures all spring, and they had over 400,000 approved for their measure to enshrine these painful late-term abortions into our Constitution. And what's at issue here and what was filed by attorney Kurt Hartman at the Ohio Supreme Court week before last is the legality of the process used to gather the signatures for the abortion amendment. Hmm. It is stated, Annie, in the Ohio Revised Code that petition gatherers shall, that is the exact word, shall have in the petition what laws in Ohio would be changed if the proposal would make it to the ballot and win. Hmm. So, of course, we know the abortion cartel did not have all the statutes on the petition that would be changed. And in their defense motions, it's laughable. They argue that it would have been too long to have on the petition. Oh, we couldn't have listed everything. Um, well, that goes back to exactly. a whole separate <laughs> issue about when we when when we discussed the fact that there are multiple things going on with this uh, with this ballot initiative that uh, should have been separated out. But that that got a uh, that got defeated as well. Right. That's exactly it. And Ohioans are being deceived. And this amendment is all about removing parental rights for abortions and other disgusting procedures on minors. Um, This is not about freedom and rights. And it's a horrible, horrible. It is straight from the pit of hell, truly. 
and we are facing this in Ohio. Um, but the good news is that Ohio Right to Life, who is based out of Columbus and the Wilkies, who founded Cincinnati Right to Life, of course, founded Ohio Right to Life. Mm-hmm. Um, they've submitted an amicus brief on Monday in support of the case. And in their brief, they state verbatim, Ohio's abortion-related statutes are quite literally life-and-death questions for thousands of Ohioans every year. Their omission from respondents' petition is unacceptable. Yep. Um, so this case will be ruled on by the Ohio Supreme Court on Monday. So everybody dial the heat up. Don't turn it down on your prayers. Pray and fast for our Supreme Court justices that they will stand by Ohio law, not look for a way around it, and rule that this has to be thrown out. It was illegal the way that they got these signatures. So Lord in heaven, Teresa Benedicta of the cross, hear our prayers. We need you. We will most definitely be praying, and I know you'll be keeping us up to date on all of this. We've been talking to Laura Streetman from Cincinnati Right to Life. Laura, so appreciate the work that you're doing and really appreciate you coming on and keeping us up to date every week on these matters. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, it's 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with traffic and weather right after this. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith. But Michael Vanderberg will give us the news from Dayton to St. Vincent de Paul. Ed Clancy will share the latest news of persecution of the church around the world. I'll reflect on the life of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. There's frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Eternal Father, I offer the Sacred Heart of Jesus with all its love, all its sufferings, and all its merits, first to expiate all the sins I have committed this day and during my life, second, to purify the good I have done badly this day and during all my life, third, to supply for the good I ought to have done and I have neglected this day 
and during all my life. Amen. 22 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Rose Automotive at pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. A couple of lingering slow spots on the interstates. Southbound 75 as you're approaching and heading through the Lachlan split. Northbound 71, 75, you remain slow from 275 up to the river. Mostly heavy on northbound 471 as you're approaching the Big Mac Bridge. Now, for weather, mostly cloudy skies in Cincinnati today with afternoon and evening storms and a high of 85 degrees. Some scattered storms tonight are possible with an overnight low of 68. Morning showers likely tomorrow. Some isolated showers into the early afternoon time with a high tomorrow of 83 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, some isolated thunderstorms developing this afternoon with a high of 83. Storms tonight and an overnight low of 67. Rain early with sunshine later in the day, though a slight chance for a storm remains into the afternoon tomorrow with a high of 82 degrees. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Rita Heikenfeld. It's 23 past. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at WimbergLandscaping.com. That's WimbergLandscaping.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. Rita Heikenfeld is going to be along with us right now to talk about carrots on Bible foods. Carrots not mentioned specifically in the Bible, but they were important vegetables in the diet of people in ancient times. Rita Good morning. Good morning, Matt. So I guess we got to go to the Fertile Crescent and uh, the Nile River and that area of the world to learn about the history of carrots. Yeah, and it's interesting because I don't think many people know this, but they were um, most likely cultivated as long as a thousand years before Christ was even born. And um, from what I can research, um, it's believed that the Israelites may have... um, 
found carrots during their captivity in Egypt. We all remember those passages, Matt. But by the 10th century, people in Iran and, and northern Arabia, they were growing what we call today the purple and the uh, yellow carrots, the ones that are very trendy and gourmet. Well, you can't really find purple and yellow and red carrots in the grocery store. I mean, you could find them, but they're not near as common as the orange kind. But I guess they were a lot more common back then. Yeah, they were, and that's what I think is so fascinating today. They they were actually the forerunners of our, our common orange carrot. Um, and then when the English colonists came over to America, and that was about the 17th century, they brought carrots and the seeds. And then in the 18th century, here's the deal with this. The Dutch produced those orange long carrots, and those are actually the ancestor of what we have every day, you know, the ones in the grocery store, the produce section, those long orange carrots. So that's the carrot history there. All right, so I don't need you to tell me that carrots are good for my <laughs> eyes uh, because I already know because I've never seen a rabbit wearing glasses, as that uh, joke goes. Uh, <laughs> but what is, uh, what's good for you in the makeup of a carrot? Well, they have that high vitamin A, which we know is good for our eyes and our skin. And, and here's something interesting, too. Um, we always think of, of veggies, especially veggies and fruits, being uh, most nutritious when they're eaten in the raw state. But carrots... Um, the nutrients in carrots are accessible more when they're just slightly cooked. So cook them until they're just crisp tender, and then your body will absorb even more of those great vitamins. Al dente, as it were. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sort of... All right. Do you uh, buy carrots that have the top still on, the green part? You know, my budget doesn't usually allow that. But um, if you do, and, and they look really nice, and you can eat the tops, of, though I, to my palate, they're a little bitter. I don't know about you. But... Um, Take those tops off because they actually steal moisture from the carrot when you store them in the veggie bin. All right. Now, you've got a recipe here that I want to get into uh, that would be – it sounds like it would be a great summer recipe, your couscous stuffed tomatoes. And I bet you there are a lot of people who have more tomatoes than they know what to do with and are trying to figure out something to do with them besides making pasta sauce and salta and slicing them and putting them on a hamburger. Oh, yeah, and I know you're going to run with this recipe, too. Um, same here. I have a lot of tomatoes. So what um, basically the recipe is this. You take some tomatoes and you hollow them out, but leave a fairly thick shell. Don't make it real thin. And then um, just set those aside, and then you're going to cook some couscous, you know, the, the instant couscous and some vegetable broth or water. That's only going to take a couple minutes. And then while that's cooking, um, I usually fill a pan with olive oil. Then I'll add a, a shredded carrot, um, some chickpeas that are drained, but I don't rinse them anymore. Do you? Uh, you know, I'm, I don't feel like I usually need to. Yeah, that's the, that's the ongoing wisdom now. You drain but don't rinse. And then you can throw in some shallot or red onion. And, of course, we all have zucchini, so I throw some of that in. And then some garlic. So I cook all that up for a couple minutes till the zucchini soft and the carrot soft. And then if I have some basil or chives or mint, I'll throw those in too. And I'll just season the whole thing with salt, and I like a little cayenne pepper. And let it cool a little bit and stuff those um, tomatoes with that. And um, if when you're mixing that, the couscous mixture, it sometimes gets a little dry because that's a grain. You can pour a little bit of olive oil in it. Um, and it's really good with some Romano's. Uh, sprinkled on top, really good. But I knew when I w was working on this recipe that you were going to take it and reconstruct it and do a matte thing, what we call. Well, 
I can tell you this, that if it's between the shallots or the red onions, I, I lean shallots on this recipe. Uh, I mean, a lot of people will ask me when I've made something or like a vinaigrette or something mm-hmm. else that what the secret ingredient is, and usually it ends up either being Dijon mustard or shallots. Yeah, and, you know, shallots have a wonderful flavor. I think um, uh, they've got a not a sharp flavor but a less sharp flavor than onions, and um, I, and they really do take well to vinaigrette. And when mustard, when you add that to a vinaigrette, that acts as an emulsifier plus adds flavor. So you've got it going. Well, I love, too, that you've got zucchini in this recipe because there are people out there who've got a lot of tomatoes <laughs> and they've figured out what to do with them, but they don't have any clue what to do with their zucchinis except for, like, maybe two or three recipe ideas. So this is a great idea for them. Yep, it sure is. And then we can always freeze the zucchini, too. Shred it up, put it in freezer bags, and use it for soups and breads in the winter. All right, well, thank you so much, Rita Heikenfeld. Always great tips from Rita's Kitchen about eating.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. 31 past. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Ohio voters have rejected a measure that would have made it harder to get abortion rights enshrined in the state constitution. Issue one was the only measure on the ballot in yesterday's special election. And though it was not specifically about abortion, it would have required at least 60 percent of voters to pass any future amendments proposed for the state constitution rather than a simple majority. Now, one of the largest looming decisions for Ohio voters is a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion rights in the state, which is set to go on the general election ballot in November. The U.S. bishops are crying foul after the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission released proposed regulations that would use the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act to advance abortion. Bishop Michael Burbage released a statement saying this is wrong and contrary to the purpose of the act, which has helped to make which is to help make it possible for working mothers to remain gainfully employed if desired while protecting their health and that of their preborn children. He said the bishops supported the act. He said, quote, the act is pro worker, pro family and pro life. It is a total distortion to use this law as a means for advancing abortion and the complete opposite of needed assistance for pregnant mothers, end quote. The U.S. saw a record number of billion-dollar weather disasters in the first seven months of the year. Mark Mayfield reports. A new report from the National Centers for Environmental Information says 15 disasters were confirmed between January and July. That's the highest number since 1980. It includes 13 severe storms, one winter storm, and one flooding. The cost totals nearly $40 billion and 113 fatalities. I'm Mark Mayfield. Russia is being accused of carrying out what's been called a particularly evil attack in Ukraine. Officials say Russia overnight fired a missile at an apartment building full of civilians in eastern Ukraine and then fired another missile at first responders. At least seven people were killed, including rescue workers. The president of Vietnam has met with the country's Catholic bishops. Vatican News reports the meeting comes in the wake of his meeting with Pope Francis to sign a landmark agreement on the status and the office of the resident papal representative in Vietnam. That's been called a new beginning in relations between the church and Vietnam under a sign of mutual respect and trust. Pope Francis has resumed his Wednesday general audiences today. They had been suspended through the month of July, which is 
normal for the Pope. The Holy Father used his catechesis time today to reflect on his experience in the past week in Portugal for World Youth Day. He called it a gift of God felt by all. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's theme for the next World Day of Peace on January 1st, which will focus on AI. From Vatican Radio, Eduardo Garibaldi reports. In the next World Day of Peace message, Pope Francis will call for an open dialogue on the meaning of the new technologies endowed with disruptive possibilities and ambivalent effects. The recurrence is celebrated every January 1st, the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. It was established in 1967, instituting a long tradition of messages from the Holy Father, exhorting all people to reflect on important subjects in relation to the work of building peace. In his next message, Pope Francis is going to stress the importance to be vigilant while working on the implementation of new technologies such as the artificial intelligence so that the logic of violence and discrimination does not take root in the production and use of such devices at the expense of the most fragile and excluded, as injustice and inequalities fuel conflicts and antagonisms. The message will also touch on the impelling need to orient the concept and use of artificial intelligence in a responsible way, aiming at having it at the service of humanity and the protection of our common home. This will not be possible without extending that ethical reflection to the fields of education and law. The statement concluded by affirming how the protection of the dignity of the person and concern for a fraternity effectively open to the entire human family represent indispensable conditions for technological development to help contribute to the promotion of justice and peace in the world. I am Eduardo Giribaldi. Coming up on 8.36 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Reds trying to get things back in gear as uh, they fell yesterday 3-2 to two to the Miami Marlins and will play a rubber match this afternoon against the Fish again. Reds still sit in second place in the NL Central and uh, will send out Graham Ashcraft to the hill. Going up against uh, another fan favorite, Johnny Cueto. He'll be pitching for the Marlins. How about this? Ohio advancing in the Little League World Series. Ohio edged Kentucky yesterday 8-5 in the Great Lakes Regional Semifinal. The team will play Illinois this afternoon in the uh, final. The Bengals are welcoming in their first preseason opponent to practice today. The team has a joint practice with the Green Bay Packers ahead of their preseason matchup at Paycor Stadium on Friday. Don't expect to see um, Joe Burrow playing the uh, preseason game or in the practice, Trevor Simeon projected to start for the Bengals. That's a check in on sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Do you go to sacredheartradio.com to get the show notes? Then you know the show notes is where you'll see the guest featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith for today and previous days. And now you can find and hear an interview again just by hovering over the podcast markers. So for the links to the resources you hear about and to hear an interview again, get it by checking out the show notes every day at the new sacredheartradio.com. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. This is Deacon Mark Machuga, a prayer to St. Joseph for husbands and fathers. O St. Joseph, guardian of the Holy Family, you were completely given to God's holy will. Pray for me that I will respond with generosity to my vocation as husband and father. Pray that I will imitate your quiet strength, your diligence in work, your devoted love of the family. Most of all, St. Joseph, I ask that when I see my wife and children, that I will see reflected in their hearts the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack, host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. Of course, Sacred Heart Radio produces the Sunrise Morning Show as well. And we get to talk about today's saint, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who was born Edith Stein. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Matt. So you've worked with some doctors of the church before. I'm not going to ask you uh, if you think that she is going to be a doctor of the church and win, but let's just say... She's got some deep, deep thought uh, for us to reflect on as the church, including some great thought about personhood and suffering. I wonder what of her teachings you wanted to focus on today. Well, I want to talk about uh, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross in this sense. There's a, when we think about our life, there's a lot of trinities or threes that go around. You know, for instance, um, when we talk, when Pope John Paul II talks about uh, the, the trinity of truth and love and um, oh, I always forget the third one, but truth, well, basically it's truth, suffering, and love. And this is, of course, what St. Uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross discovers. And see, there's a kinship between her and John Paul II because, one, they were contemporaries, and two, uh, they lived during one of the most heinous periods of church history. And in the midst of all this, this notion of truth and suffering and love, oftentimes we think, how can those things go together? But they do, because once we discover the truth, the truth itself is God as he really is. And when we see who he really is, that creates in us a desire to know him and to be like him. But because we are so unlike him, even though we're in his image, that because of original sin, we know what we can be versus what we are. And that's the, that's the belief in terms of suffering, to the desire to go beyond ourselves. And the only path to do that is going to be through love. Well, her ref- reflections on love, I think, are extraordinary. Uh, there's a quote of hers that I go back to over and over again, uh, where she says that all that we do is a means to an end. But love is an end in itself because God is love. Uh, and, you know, you think about that question of 
it, it helps me make m- much more sense of what St. Paul is saying when he says, in the end, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And And Paul is, in some ways, alluding to the fact that at the end of all things, we won't need faith. We'll be with God, right? And we won't need hope because the hope will have been fulfilled. Love, though, is the thing that we enter into. Love is, if if we're saying that God is love, then God is love before he even creates. I mean, what a mystery. Well, it is, and we have to recognize that our human definition of love pales before the love of God. And this is what, of course, uh, Teresa Benedict of the Cross discovered. When she read the life of Teresa of Avila and then says, this is truth, she found out she kind of was given the key to the great mystery. In order to come close to God, we have to be taken up into the divine love, which is, of course, what St. John of the Cross taught. And we connect Teresa a lot of times with uh, Teresa of Avila, but she's also very intimately connected with St. John of the Cross. And the year that she died, she was asked to write uh, basically an essay on the 400th year of the death of St. John of the Cross, and it was called The Science of the Cross. And this is, and the challenge we face that she talks about is that we have the cross before us. We either, we, either we accept it and detach ourselves from ourselves so that we can be more united with Christ, which then allows us to be lifted up in love, or we hang on to ourselves and then the process never find true happiness. So it's a type of emptying. And whereas John of the Cross's emptying happened by his persecution by his fellow Carmelites, uh, Teresa Benedictus of the Cross's suffering happened, as she said, when she went with her sister Rosa when the Nazis came and took her from the convent. Let us go and die with our people. That she, you know, in that whole emptying, she recognized that the fullness of her love will be seen in taking on basically her vocation as a, as a Jew and as a Christian. And she gave her life uh, for the fellow Jews who she died with. She's such an extraordinary uh, figure in in modern church history, but in the history of the church as a whole, um, she stands out just so strongly. You know, it's interesting you know, we're coming off the Feast of St. Dominic, and the Dominicans, you know, they get the reputation for being kind of like the thinkers, right? They're the ones who have the deep thoughts. But, you know, between uh, Therese of Lisieux and John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Teresa Benedict of the Cross, I mean, the Carmelites have a strong case going here. Well, they do, and, and they, they like uh, Thomas uh, and, and, and Dominic in his own way. They recognize reason can only take us so far. Reason that is done very well will lead us beyond reason to mystery. And mystery is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in finding it, it brings one, interior joy. Two, it brings the fullness of truth. But three, as we know, it brings upon itself immense suffering. And uh, because in tying ourselves to the cross, literally, or being nailed, however you want to put that, we tie ourselves to that love of Christ, that emptying love. And in a world that constantly says we have to be filled up with things to find love, we find ourselves, and to do that, the emptier we become. But when we unite ourselves in this self-emptying love of Christ, of pouring it out, all of a sudden we become full. And this is one of the paradoxes that, unfortunately, it's very hard for people to come to grips with in the world today. Well, and it's one that um, people can dismiss as trite. Well, what's the answer to suffering? Uh, well, look at the crucifix. That can sound like it's a trite and throwaway answer, but in fact, it is th- 
It is an extraordinary, mysterious, deep, all-encompassing answer that tells us who God is in his very nature as uh, self-giving love. So, well, And that's because, of course, it's not the cross itself we focus on. It's the person nailed to the cross that yeah. shows us his meaning. That's why the crucifix is so important in our Catholic faith. Well, very good stuff. Thank you so much, Father Rob Jack, for helping us to get into uh, some of the thought of Edith Stein this morning. Have a wonderful day. All right. Truth, suffering, and love. Live it today. All right. We'll do our best. Thanks so much, Father Rob. Monsignor Charles Pope joining us next. It's 14 minutes before the hour. Did you just receive a Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt because you took our listener survey? One thing the survey told us was how many of you found out about Sacred Heart Radio from our bumper magnets. So imagine how many more will know where they can hear about God's love and mercy by wearing your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt. So thank you for letting the good news be told without saying a word. Every time you wear your Sacred Heart Radio t-shirt and by ordering our bumper magnets by going to sacredheartradio.com and clicking on signs and magnets. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Central Fabricators. Central Fabricators is currently seeking welders for their ASME code fabrication shop. They're looking for hardworking professionals who enjoy meeting challenges and surpassing customer expectations. Candidates are required to have experience in fit-up and welding. This is long-term employment in a secure, rewarding full-time career with a four-day work week, health care and dental benefits, and paid vacations. More information at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the Tri-State since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to catch up with Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find his blog through the Archdiocese of Washington. MonsignorPope.com is a great site for all kinds of reflections on the readings, the liturgical calendar, and a whole lot more. Monsignor Pope, good morning. Well, good morning. One of my favorite feasts in the month of August is that of St. Lawrence of Rome. And a lot of people know him as the guy who was grilled to death and who said, turn me over, I'm done on this side. I think we don't give enough attention to what got him there in the first place, which is essentially making the authorities mad for giving them a lesson in spiritual economics. Yeah, yeah. You know, as the um, story goes, he was asked to um, confronted by the uh, prefect of Rome, and uh, the prefect thought, "Well, this this group has to have a great fortune hidden away somewhere." So he ordered Lawrence to to bring this. This this wealth to to his and laid at his feet, um, and Lawrence said, "Okay, I'll give me three days. I'll round it all up." So uh, when when the prefect arrived uh, to for the for the handover of all the church's treasures, um, um, Lawrence pretended the the, the the 
we say the prefect was not pleased, <laughs> and uh, he he condemned him to a cruel death, as, as you just mentioned, to be grilled or uh, put on an iron grill. Well, Lawrence is a lesson that you know we can sort of laugh and and uh, you know to me it's 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 you know kind of a moment of pride to be like yeah this is the treasure of the church uh, you know and to to rally behind a guy like Saint Lawrence and some other great saints over the years who have you know, thrown everything of this world out to go and you know basically live for the treasure of the of the church the poor the sick so that they might have treasure in heaven but then when it comes to the live reality of that with you and me and regular old life monsignor pope that's a little bit harder for us to kind of get excited about it is i mean these are the kinds of things that um they 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 sound good in the abstract Like, like the cross. The, oh, yeah, so lift higher the cross. Uh, but uh, but when the cross comes in for a landing, well, I'm not so happy now. Um, or the real cross, not just some abstract idea. And so, yeah. And, you know, we struggle with this even in this neighborhood where I live, you know, that uh, the, the, a lot of the neighbors will put out, you know, uh, all are welcome here kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, if we're trying to put up some uh, public housing, <laughs> now, oh, this is an appropriate place for that. Uh, and so we, we, we all struggle with this sort of nimby, you know, not in my backyard kind of approach to things. And so absolutely, it's uh, we can salute Lawrence from afar. But my gosh, you know, um, the question is, um, are we really willing to live what he said? Well, I think uh, every political persuasion has some kind of reality check, some kind of gut check to do on this, because, you know, I'm uh, I'm not far from you up the road in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the most progressive places in the United States of America. But it's also very carefully structured that, uh, you know, only a certain Mm -hmm. kind of person of a certain kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. persuasion income level could ever even afford to live in most of the places around here. I mean, that's kind of the Mm -hmm. way that it's sort of built like as a bubble. And and I think we do try and build those bubbles. And even, you know, with people, uh, those of us who, who may support you know, uh, life and marriage and, and all those things that we know that uh, the church teaches we have to uphold, that's all good and well until somebody needs help with their marriage or somebody needs help with their kids, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. I always have to remind the couples I'm preparing for marriage. I say, look, uh, I have a big family. It's a great. I said, but that's easy for me to say, sitting here in this armchair, I don't have to change the diapers and get up at two o'clock meetings, you know. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, we have to, I think, accept that. Um, uh, yeah, this is how we are. We can we can often salute ideas from afar, uh, but when they come in for a landing, it's a lot harder. And so, yeah, Lawrence's um, statement here isn't to be taken just as a kind of a trite story or a little moralism. Uh, it, it is, in fact, the truth, which is that the 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 treasure the treasure of the church are those who suffer. Now, we tend to look at the economic of the world differently than the scriptures. Now, what one thing that we do is that we we sort of look down and pity, in a way, people who are suffering, not just the poor, but people who are suffering. And um, we say, oh, too bad, too bad. But listen, uh, we might have to get an appointment to meet them in heaven because they're going to rule. There. I, I think what we need to learn to do is to esteem those uh, who are suffering but with faith and try to assist them, like Simon of Cyrene, but also just um, lift them up and uh, see, see them as uh, those who, if they stay faithful, Jesus says many who are last here are going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. So they are a treasure, and uh, get to know and befriend them. And as Jesus says, store up for yourselves uh, treasure in heaven, 
And he says, you know, use your worldly wealth to gain friends, you know, among the poor, so that when it fails you, namely the wealth, the poor will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Isn't that great, you know, to think that we'd go to the judgment seat and the poor are off in the distance saying, be good to this guy, Lord, he was good to us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, says, this I is, hear you. you know, poverty is no guarantee of virtue, but my goodness, no. isn't it interesting that the wealthier we become as a society, as a nation, the more we forget God? <laughs> right? And you look around the exactly. world, and where are the places that have the least material wealth? They're the ones who know they need God. I feel like yeah. that's a fairly evident point. Yeah, you know, one of the Proverbs says, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, lest in my poverty I steal, or in my riches I say, who is the Lord? Mm. You know, and, and so, yeah, the, the wealthier we become, too easily, yes, we we kick God to the margins, we kick him to the curb, and we say, you know, and then we, we'll watch our whole society crumble. We wonder, well, how did that happen? Well, it's not a good thing when the Lord is not invited. Um, so... Well, yeah, and, uh, and you know the other thing that happens in this too is that we forget what the church's role is meant to be in all this. We uh, we say, well, the mm-hmm. government will take care of that. <laughs> you know, we say that uh, mm-hmm. you know the 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 laws, the the safety nets that we've created, you know, through political structures will take care of that. And we should have safety nets. We should have structures. Mm-hmm. But we should mm-hmm. also be the first place people think of. The church should be the first mm-hmm. place people think of when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, there was um gosh, there was a book written many years ago by a guy named Olasky, um, wrote The Tragedy of American Compassion and he, he details there how really church leaders, uh, both Catholic and Protestant in this country, fought for uh fifty or sixty years from about nineteen hundred through uh, uh you know, right, right through almost the sixties Great Society program saying that the government should not be distributing charity. This should be done by the churches and community organizations because bad charity bad charity drives out good charity. Hmm. And they insisted, but little by little, they let go of this and let the government take over. And now there's this kind of attitude where, you know, even our bishops at times can kind of claim virtue for simply saying, well, the government should do something. And, well, we checked off that box. You know, at some level, you're right. I mean, we um, uh, are more than willing to demand others take care of a problem. Not just the church, but all, all of us Americans. Uh, but, yeah, not in my backyard, though, please. Yeah, yeah that's a lot to ponder. And, and, you know, there's another lesson from St. Lawrence, too, as, as well, is that he's a deacon. And this is what the deacons were built for from the Book of Acts, right, to go <laughs> right. and take care of the widow and the orphan. Uh, Lawrence teaches us <laughs> so many lessons. There's so much to reflect upon. Yes. Monsignor Charles Indeed. Pope, uh, if our listeners want to find you, how can they do so? Go to blog.adw.org. All right, so that's, that's a good spot to go. It is indeed a good spot to go, and it's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a blessed day. Thank you. And we'll talk to all of you tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. For over 90 years, the Jesuit Spiritual Center at Milford has enriched the spiritual lives of youth and adults, offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality. 
Enter into the silence of a weekend retreat and experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, with evening and weekend hours designed to make servicing your vehicle easy. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at sunsetjanitorialsupply.com. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Connection is a co-production of...